0: I, I may have taken too many notes. Like on, like Oh yeah. On, <laughs> oh yeah. I have stuff about like DC naming conventions, which with Mongel, with, um, and just Marvel like. DC... of boys
1: wanted them too. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just like,
0: uh, Marvel doesn't really use lads and lasses. Uh, <laughs> and, like, DC does. Uh, and Mongel, We have an iron lad. We have it.
1: an iron lad.
2: Yeah, that's That's true. true. That's true. Like, it's rare, and then
0: like. Go ahead and do it. I didn't need to show. You. I was
2: gonna say like I I had nothing to contribute other than like I wonder who they're gonna have him be in the MCU like yeah. oh yeah. yeah yeah I don't know
1: Jonathan Majors well, obviously say, isn't he isn't he fucking yes he Kang he's Kang yeah he's child version of a Mortis deciding no, not to be Mortis yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I've I've recently indulged in all of the Twilight movies and there is a uh, p- Have you ever seen them? <laughs> They're fucking I saw, cur- I saw the
2: first
1: one. Okay. Really. Watch the rest of them because yeah. eventually <laughs> they have a half they have a daywalker like they produce exactly what Blade is kind of where it's like a half human half vampire because Kristen Stewart hasn't been changed yet and the baby's killing her because it like rapidly grows because it's this freak and it's name is that,
2: is, why, is that why for no fucking reason they made it like the ugliest scariest cgi baby ever? It's
1: that's exactly why and i had to <laughs> figure that out because i hadn't read the books apparently but before it's 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 aging rapidly and growing out of her stomach and they're freaking out because she's gonna die and this is where rob pattinson turns her by performing a cesarean on her with his vampire teeth they're like, and, and ripping out the umbilical cord and delivering this freaky CGI child. And that was crazy. And then, yeah, they they CGI a human face on, like, a baby doll, like a, a animatronic baby doll, because it's, like, growing so fast. It has, like, a teenager's face kind of superimposed on this, like, practical baby thing. And then the wolf boy in the jean shorts, who she also likes from the first one um he imprints which is like the vamp, the werewolf boys native american way of like instilling its love onto an object and it's like connected and in love with this baby yeah, that he yeah, knows is going to be 15 in like a week yeah, you know I'm what right. i mean what the fuck are you doing here yeah 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 oh. and, and <laughs> this is the,
0: this is part of the new format we either like, before we start recording we always need to talk about the fast and furious movies are the twilight films and yes. the influence of the x-men on them and their baseball
3: boner
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, new gods and Kryptonians of all ages, welcome to the very first episode of the Fortress of Solid Dudes, a show where fellow like-minded hashtag release the Schneider Cut DC Extended Universe superfan bros stand united together discussing, reviewing, theorizing, and waxing intellectual over any and all things related to the DC Extended Universe of Warner Brothers characters. My name is John, and I'm thrilled to be joined by not only my dear friend Travis, but our very own returning Amanda Waller herself, because we're an MCU podcast, and she was our Nick Furious figure that assembled us. Kira, uniting the seven, finally, to discuss James Gunn's The Suicide Squad.
2: Yes, and and I was gonna wear blackface for the Amanda Waller reference, but you know, like Nick Fury, I won't, I, I won't do that now either. But uh, wow, I'm back.
1: Mm-hmm. And you dressed for the occasion, which was a delightful surprise too.
2: Yes, yes, I'll take a picture and post it in the group.
1: Yes, for the listeners at home, Kira has dressed as Harley Quinn, and it like floored us when I the turned. Best the best I uh... could
2: come up with, anyway, with what I already had. I yeah. definitely did her makeup from this movie, though. I, that I that I did perfectly. But yes. the outfit, different. Anyway. And
1: no, no daddy's little monster on your butt. <laughs> no. Nah.
2: Nah. Well, well, maybe.
1: <laughs> now, before we get started, I think it's only appropriate that we take a brief moment of silence for our dearly beloved, gone but not forgotten, fallen suicide squad brother in arms, Milton, gunned down in his prime. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, I'm doing a bit because he He used to do this bit.
2: You shouldn't have sprung that shit up because that was maybe Kyle's favorite part of that
1: fucking Boner. Written and directed by James Gunn, (laughs) this is the 10th film in the DC extended universe of Warner Brothers characters, (laughs) which kicked off with 2013's Man of Steel. This is somehow the 11th highest grossing film franchise of all time. And believe it or not, the highest grossing film in the DC Extended Universe is Aquaman, which actually has a fifth of its overall blockbuster, you know, box office numbers. That movie made... 1.5 1.5 billion dollars. We are living in a world where an Aquaman wow. movie has made 1.5 billion dollars, and this franchise has made 5.6 total mm-hmm. at all. And oh, it Marvel
3: has. It. Hey. Yeah, like
1: it has had its ups and downs, and and we are an MCU it's podcast, like the
2: mo- the most chode member of the fucking Justice League. Arguably, <laughs> <Our Joe laughs> he's
0: been rehabilitated though.
2: Yes. <laughs> Yeah,
1: He talks to fish and he has one of the highest grossing films of all time. Um, But again, the DC extended universe is a very controversial thing. Unlike our precious Marvel universe, the Disney shills that we are, you know, we, we tend to kind of suck Marvel's, you know, Proverbial cock at all times, even, even in the
2: worst. We explicitly said we were not going to do that when we first conceived this show.
1: But then everything is so good and I it's know, consistent. I like I made craft macaroni and cheese today, and it tasted really good. And it tasted like the craft macaroni and cheese I made last week that tasted really good. And Marvel has perfected this formula and has its individuality and it has its unique qualities and levels of our tour-ship. and also it's it's house style but the dc extended universe is a mixed bag of hot mm-hmm. fucking garbage mm-hmm. really weird mediocrely made films that people worship and and are like objectively bad at some points. Well that you're
2: have a little bit biased because you I am. hate you hate the Zack Snyder stuff a little bit more than than me.
0: But uh, I I am kind of in agreement with him with the uh phrase <laughs> on uh, the Zack Snyder DC stuff,
2: but I am too. I am too. And the constant,
1: like, oh, you have to watch this version to like it. Like, there's like three (laughs) versions of
2: fucking everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: This
1: franchise has you know, been very strange and it has had its troubles and it's growing mm-hmm. pains. You know what I mean? Yes. I am biased. I don't like Zack Snyder, but I'm also like the biggest Superman and Batman fan and wonder woman fan like ever. Like that's my shit. You know what I mean? More so than the Marvel stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And, and th- I despise those films and some people worship them. And at the end of the day, I think they're just okay. And then we have two 2016 suicide squad. Directed by David Ayer, which is, like, universally, like, unexcusable well, if you like it.
2: <laughs> and I, I thought it was, and you were able to, uh, prove, like, dissuade me of it, that I thought the reason it was so bad was because the studio kept meddling with it, and it was, you know, heavily recut and a lot of shit, especially the Joker stuff, ended up on the cutting room floor, but you said you got to see the... Uh, in in essence the air cut correct
1: i I saw like a metacritic style test screening that was pretty much like a study where they and living in new york these are some perks like Mm -hmm. you know we discussed how i got to see black widow too kind of recently you know you sign up for a few emails and eventually like some of these things come through and you jump on them quick enough and you get these opportunities and i got to do that with that and you know it It was not very good, but I could kind of see how some people would really like it. And, and, you know, I wasn't really allowed to say anything, but they like give you a piece of paper and say like what you like and what you don't like. Mm -hmm. But the story with that movie is like they hire David Ayer and then they're like production starts in six weeks. So you essentially have two weeks to write a script, two weeks to plan out. Uh, as much pre-visualization and and stuff as you have, and like we already have a cast for you because we did this big thing at the 2014 San Diego Comic Con where they did the Batman and Superman logo, and they announced Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot, and the internet went crazy about Batfleck. The DC Extended Universe gave us Batfleck, which was a controversial thing. um my Sorry, not sorry. No, it's and. You know, like, did he give a good performance in a bad movie? Yeah. Is it as defendable as some people say? Maybe not. Was the Schneider cut like even that great? Or was it just kind of better and still kind of boring and weird? Maybe, maybe. But it's cool if you like it. Mm -hmm. And surprise twist in this franchise Writer and director James Gunn gave us a fucking classic. <laughs> and the Suicide yeah. Squad
2: rules. I, like he did, he, like he, I think I wrote, like, he basically just said to Faggy like, hold my beer. I got to go uh, just do this. And, like, if you've seen some interviews in, like, you know, some of the promotional stuff of this, like, he felt, like, the most comfortable in any movies made, like, up to this point, like, mm-hmm. making this movie. It was, like, he just... Was in
1: his fucking zone, making. Yeah, yeah, and we gotta say, James Gunn, famous rise to fame. You know, he had made some movies before; they were raunchy, he came from trauma. He's kind of like this low-budget punk ator, and he got famous developing the Guardians of the Galaxy for the MCU and was the MCU's cosmic guy. He helped rewrite all the Guardian stuff for the Russo brothers' Avengers stuff. He was a beloved Marvelite and under disney's thumb and then the right wing trolls on the internet found an old tweet which is still not excusable where he made a rape joke and disney fired him the next day is this woke culture gone mad should a 40 year old be making rape jokes on the internet when he's in the public light maybe not maybe a little bit of column a maybe a little bit of column b they knew about the tweets before they hired him
2: like, yeah, it's, and it's definitely cancel culture gone completely off the. Yeah, list. yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. And the, and the fact that like, I'm sure tr- they probably have a fucking like algorithm for this shit. Like, is it going to cost us more money to keep them, mm-hmm. or or not? So the decision, like, it's all about you know the back end and what's going to make them the most money. So that's yeah. why they're in that.
1: Business. But again, at the end of the day, should a 40 year old man have been making a rape joke? No. no was it funny yeah. no was it inappropriate yes oh, should no. disney have fired him should disney have fired him maybe not maybe it, it could have been resolved in a press statement you know
0: when you're making jokes you can take a lot of bites at the apple not all of them are going to hit and if you're pushing the envelope yeah you know, you're going to occasionally say
2: something fucked up uh, and like, yep. where was uh, he in his career when he made that
1: he was writing fucking Scooby-Doo and making Slither and movies with the guy from The Office. He was at a point where he was about to blow up. He was. I, I looked at that today. He was over oh, the yeah. age of 40 when he made that.
3: <laughs> when he was made he that. Was pretending
0: so, to be a disabled person in the, whatever, whatever the
2: promo movie that was? The fourth Toxic Avengers? Uh, <laughs> the same thing had happened to uh, Kevin Hart, where he was going to host the Oscars. Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. talked about this in one of his specials. and.
3: Yeah, the same yeah, things happen till James every, James every James time James.
1: Dave Chappelle makes a special, something happens, <laughs> you know what well, I mean? He
2: talks about how Kevin Hart was basically hosting the Oscars, and because years, a few years prior to that, he was clearly joking, because he does it in his routines, about, like, if a kid was born gay, uh, he would break a dollhouse over his head. Oh, then, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: And they, <laughs> they were like, Apologize or you're gonna get five rows in the Oscars and he's like, I'm not apologizing in the way Dave Chappelle says it. It's like and and he quit and walked away from it. And then he spent the next six months apologizing and <laughs> But like to it's
1: it's it's a funny example where Obviously, DC is the big rival of the MCU. They're the other property. In comics, they call Mm -hmm. them the big two. We have DC and we have fucking Marvel. And Disney fires James Gunn and Warner Brothers swoops in and says, hey, buddy, how about more creative control? You know, we know stuff's not going great on the other side of town right now you get final cut basically to the point where at one point in this movie, uh, Rick flag is wearing like kind of the iconic Rick flag. Look, he's got like that yellow t-shirt on
2: with with the the shoulder straps and everything.
1: But the t-shirt that he has on, has a cartoon rabbit holding up a sign and it reads in Spanish, um, obstacles are opportunities. And it's like, he's directly kind of winking at like, mm-hmm. Hey guys, like I found a blessing in all of this. And, and he's, he's the first guy too, uh, really to play ball on, on both sides of the court with DC and Marvel, because he's coming back for the guardians yeah. holiday special yeah, yeah. Back and, back and guardians. 3. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, and that, that that's how I was able to sell it to you know, you we know Kyle, but like most of the people listening are gonna know. Uh, he mm-hmm. Hey, what's up, Kyle? He's not gonna <laughs> listen to this. But like, you know, I was like, I I have a chance to come over and watch a movie, you wanna watch Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad. He's like, Nah, I hated that first movie. Uh I'm like, I know, it's fine as long as you saw it, but I'm like the way I sold it, I'm like, this is basically like a trauma grindhouse movie with a fucking blockbuster budget like yeah yeah and uh yeah and he that helped him and then his you want to know what his final tipping point was where he's like yeah i'll watch it. it's because thinker is played by one of the doctors now. he is kyle's a huge fan of doctor who so
1: surprisingly my favorite of the newer doctors too even I mean, though the it's, writing
2: it's his yeah. second favorite he likes krista eccleston
1: oh really that's a controversial pick too <laughs> those are the oh, two we've talked a lot about right? Doctor Who thanks to Loki but those are the two kind of like you yeah, know other that. than the girl
2: that's why you gotta watch you know Loki because it was you know heavily influenced by Doctor Who and blah 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 we talked a lot about it, so I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole but yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I was just surprised that like David Tennant might not even have been in his top three and I know that he's a very popular Doctor I personally have never watched the show I don't have anything against it
1: it's done. a fun time. It's very silly. <laughs> it's very, it's very goofy. This movie is very much, um, they, I've heard like Dirty Dozen, right? Those those men on a mission war movies, but it is done with, like you said, that grindhouse sensibility where this is a hard R. There's oh, I, violence. Yeah,
2: he kept making fun of me for using that term last night. I was like, it's a hard R.
1: But it's it's gruesome, and it's it's almost more gruesome than, you know, stuff we've seen before, like the realism in Logan, and we've seen well, kind of I mean, schlocky stuff
2: in, it's in not Deadpool. Just the
0: gore, there's also a well, male nudity which yeah. Oh, and I saw oh,
2: Cena in his tighty-whities, I'm like, God bless. You. Yeah, yeah, well, the,
0: the Cena in general was a high point for me, just like, the tiny whities was hilarious, and, like, the, the belly shirt
2: was just, like, slightly... <laughs> well, I was trying to think small. what he looked more ridiculous in, his uh, peacemaker, you know, flamboyant costume, or his fucking, yeah. like, suburban dad khaki short and blue, uh, yeah, blue, yeah, blue yeah. polo in the middle yeah. of a South American fucking... <laughs>
3: I, so, uh, I, I...
0: I think he probably enjoyed wearing the costume because he wore the like the whole you gear to a lot of like promotional stuff.
1: He has been wearing it for like the past month. It feels like he wore it yes. on Kimmel. He's worn it on, on all the, the events.
0: Stuff. He, yes. yes,
2: yeah, he
1: wore it on like a bunch of daytime TV things. Cena seems all in.
2: It, it makes me very happy. And I remember I saw that I'm like I'm like what when I first saw it, and I knew that like you know James, I was like, what the fuck is this? And, like, thank God he went. And, like, they they all seem to be incredibly, almost like Watchmen, but even further than Watchmen, a very faithful adaptation to the comic book costume. Like, everyone almost looks mm-hmm. like he.
1: It's funny you say the word Watchmen when we're talking about the Peacemaker. And I was kind of going to get into it a little bit later, which is like still the famous last words on this podcast here. <laughs> but I'm not sure if you know this, like, when so I'll mansplain it to you <laughs> when um, <laughs> I'll watch men's played it to you. <laughs> oh, you're, gonna so when...
2: you're, you're, you're never going to work in
1: this town. <laughs> so yeah, Disney will fire me 10 years from uh-huh. now when this gets out. So to watch explain the whole peacemaker correlation, um, Alan Moore, when he originally conceived the Watchmen for DC and they hired him to say, Hey, you can kind of, you have carte blanche to do what you want after the success of Swamp Thing and all this British shit. Um, he, DC had recently acquired a bunch of characters from a company that went to bunk that, that goes back as far as the golden age called Charleston. So they just got Blue Beetle. They just got Captain Adam, They just got um, one of the characters was the Peacemaker. And originally, these were all going to be the Watchmen. Like uh, the Blue Beetle was going to be uh, Night Owl. I'm, I'm, I'm
2: familiar with this a little bit. Yeah.
1: And, and the Peacemaker is the Comedian. And that's the correlation, and later on yeah, when there's it's a like line
0: later in this movie that kind of reminded me of exactly of that, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, the, yeah, famous last words we'll get to it later, <laughs> but there is yes, they make like kind of a direct reference to it eventually in the film and I, um, I,
2: I have to wonder if the way that they made this like adapting these characters to be like it seemed like it maybe wouldn't happen if the boys wasn't so successful on Amazon. Sure, you know, and, you know and, but uh, I'm sure that or was that DC hit.
1: wasn't just so desperate to see, hey, what sticks? You know what I mean? Like this franchise yeah. is all over the place and it does kind of make me happy because we can kind of get these messy movies that are almost a little bit more like stylistic as individual pieces rather than something Marvel-related, which is kind of, you know, a house style, so to speak, so it all kind of fits the tone. You know, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey is batshit. The Saberverse Sh- is, right Saber is batshit. You know, Aquaman is bonkers. And and Wonder Woman is, you know, they all have their own things. And this is, it's you know, do whatever you want. Like, we don't mm-hmm. care, really, in this I franchise. I think that's
2: DC's key to, like, because obviously they did not, try to copy MCU and I yes. think maybe they should be embracing this and hopefully that's what's going on here. Sure. Um, yeah. I think that's going to be their key to a success.
1: And with the first suicide squad, it, You know, in in David Ayer's 2016 Suicide Squad, that was in the height of DC kind of panicking and Warner Brothers kind of panicking behind the scenes with, you know, we got to change everything. We're going to hire Joss Whedon. This didn't really work so well. Um, If you guys, I don't know if you noticed, Jeff Johns's name is not on this film at all.
3: So DC's hands
1: are clean. Of Jeff Johns, which makes me kind of happy, um, even though his new image book, Geiger, is, is kind of dope. Um, and I like it more than I think Jeff Johns has written in a really long time. Yeah. But like the first Suicide Squad came out and one of the things that immediately off the bat in this movie differentiates it from almost any superhero movie from one of the big two Marvel or DC that we've seen so far is actual stakes involved where, you know, we go into end game. We're like, Oh, one or two people are going to die. But, <laughs> You know, 2016 Suicide Squad, that's the whole point of the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Gunn has said this is really based on, like, the 80s. It started in 1982. Joel Ostrander, is, or John Ostrander, rather, is, is the writer, goes to DC with a pitch like, what if we took C&D-level villains every week and we had a different team basically every week and they were either disposable or we can try out, you know, maybe getting a C or D-level villain to, like, attached to some readers and give them a heroic turn. But yeah. one of the crazy things about that series was like, bong, someone's head would explode out of nowhere or, um, holy shit. Deadshot did something heroic. Wasn't you know? that
2: gratuitously violent, like on the page?
1: Yes. Well, it was, it was cartoony. It was, it was the like the bronze age, like dark Knight returns hadn't really come out yet. So we were just kind of getting out of the silver age. DC was doing interesting things and like animal man. And, uh, and Swamp Thing were being published and Gaiman started to write for them. So it was like as they were kind of transitioning to this more mature thing and and Marvel had Claremont doing the X-Men, which is kind of like what was going on over on the other side of town, so to speak, at the time. So it wasn't as like gratuitously violent and schlocky as this movie is, but it wow. was like it, it had tropes, basically, and every issue was basically a different team. So like I kind of took the first scene of this movie when we get suicide squad a on the beach yeah. as like the first issue. And it felt very much like something from John Ostrander's run where like, Oh, you get introduced to Savant for a minute here. And, and you're like, Oh, this guy's kind of cool. But then bang, he's dead. Bam, he's dead. Bam. He's dead. Bam. He's dead. And Rick flags like Waller, where's the B team. And then we find out there was something on the other side of the beach. So, you let, know?
2: Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, and let's talk about this scene uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to know uh, I've only got to see this a couple of times. Um, so what's the name of uh, Pete
1: Davidson's character? He um, is the Black Guard. He's actually a, uh, yeah, he's a Booster Gold uh, villain, like a Booster Gold bad guy. And why DC hasn't utilized Booster Gold yet is beyond me. He's a time traveling social media star who thinks he's the superhero. He's great. Um, Black Guard's name in the comics, guys and girls get this, is uh, Richard Hertz, a.k.a. My Dick Hertz by the way. So
2: he's a
1: dick joke. He's a dick joke. <laughs>
2: what what, wait, what wait. I was going to ask is did Waller, cause Waller basically after that whole scene and the way James Gunn does it, it's like, you know, the very funny thing with the weasel where like, could anyone figure out if weasel could swim? <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, what's her name? What who plays Waller? amazing actress
1: viola uh, davis Davis. abc's uh how to be a murderer's viola davis
2: (laughs) that side eye eye she gives like you didn't check up to see if weasel could swim and then you see like weasel's dead it's like whoa this fucking weasel's already dead and then the next thing is davidson like getting his face blown off and then Mm -hmm. obviously just completely goes to shit and when you find out that there's a team too. Waller and they—they're hearing explosions. Waller's like, "That's the Like, did Waller know that that's, that that sellout was happening and that that team was basically doomed? Yeah, and yeah, I think re- so. Yeah, yeah. like I, I, set
1: up the weasel as some cannon fodder. I'm gonna send the co-ops team out there. You I know mean, what you,
2: I mean? You're, you're what, what's upsetting know, is person. that flag and flag and Harley were on that squad that she <laughs> was
1: going to get killed. Uh-huh. Well, Amanda Waller is a stone-cold bitch. I know,
2: I know.
1: That Mm -hmm. is very clear. It was clear. Okay, so the stakes are so real in this movie. Like, Viola Davis says Amanda Waller was a bitch in David Ayer's Suicide Squad, and we knew she was ruthless. She killed her whole office in that one scene. I brought
2: that up to Kyle, yeah. like What? I don't don't care
1: about anyone in that office. They didn't have a hero shot wearing a costume. You know what I mean? Like they didn't have a title card that said suicide squad behind a American flag wall that looked like Patton. They didn't have this iconic imagery yet. So there were no stakes to how cruel Amanda Waller and Viola Davis's portrayal of Amanda Waller really could be. But in this movie, instantly, sets up stakes for the actual suicide squad you know and and that's something that's missing like and has been missing from even comic book adaptations up until recently actually guys i have right here dc black label launched this week i think to coincide with the movie the suicide squad it's oversized and doesn't fit in a long box or a short box and bothers me that's nice of them (laughs) <laughs> so it's just gonna yeah. get crinkly yeah, um yeah. it's some sort of bat family thankfully thing. comic
0: book fans aren't the ocd type or that <laughs> <Yeah. yeah.
1: laughs> thankfully it's not the only thing yeah. i complain about and i had to buy a oh. short box to put them sideways in because mm-hmm. they're so fucking annoying yeah, yeah but they've had harley quinn they've had deadshot and they've tried to sell these characters as movie stars like they want comic book readers to see deadshot and think will smith mm-hmm. and and all of these things now and, you know, the first movie didn't do a great job with establishing stakes. The only characters who died were fucking... Um, Slipknot. Slipknot. Slipknot, played I mean, by I mean, direct-to-video king.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was obviously his only job because he's the only character that didn't get, like, an intro at all.
1: <laughs> he did, too. They told us. They told us he could climb anything, Travis. Real quick. Yeah, cool.
2: awesome like, like, the card thing. Uh, but, like, I got no argument with a guy who was like, it's bad writing because why would he try to escape when he knew he had the... Uh, you know the thing in his head it's like well it's not bad writing it was exposition like they chose a fucking you know rando to show what would happen if they so we could see what it looks like when these when these things explode in your head but what
1: what if we cared about that character they had a cool moment and then we blew their fucking head off Mm -hmm. and wouldn't that be cooler wouldn't that just be good storytelling
2: (laughs) what i also like with what they like is waller you can see that it is technically a sequel in terms of like Waller from the first and the second one. But like I like like she just seemed like this ever powerful, omniscient purse like, you know, black ops government operative person having like steak dinners in the first one, like where this like she's like the warden of Belle Reeve and she has that like, you know, the IT crew with her. It just seems like they brought her a little bit more down realistically uh mm-hmm. though, like that omniscient person she was in the
0: first one I really like that and yeah. uh, she gets less screen time in this one I feel like but it it's just a better uh depiction of the character in general uh so it she didn't need as much but, it, uh,
1: but we don't have a scene of her eating a steak with Bruce Wayne. <laughs> right? Did yeah, that actually well, uh, 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 extra
2: credit scene. And uh, <laughs> uh what's his name? Uh the Red Guardian, uh, he didn't come back for it because he, if you remember, in the first Suicide. Oh like yeah. He was, of, he was one of like the, you know, Waller's stooges. Uh, that yeah. Basically, got the Suicide Squad authorized by uh, the government, but whatever. I
1: picked Wall- up. He, I, I picked up like the uh, seventh issue of Joel uh, John Ostrander's. And actually, guys, John Ostrander has a little cameo in this movie. He's the doctor who injects doctor the bombs. That calls him yeah, the yep. doggy. Yep. That's the writer. But, uh, I, I read, you know, just a random issue today, you know, just to see Javelin was in it, you know, and, and he was in the movie just to kind of see, like, I wonder how true this really is. And I had this idea where I was going to write down tropes to see if they match tropes in the movie. And this is what I got. Um, a team member announces themselves that they're dirty and they've ratted out the team. You know what I mean? Boom. We get that right off the bat in this yeah. movie. Yep. Um, Amanda Waller blackmails or blows someone's head off. We get that twice in this movie, just to like better herself. Um, it always takes place during a crossover or when the Justice League are conveniently not around, right? So we don't know when this takes place,
2: <laughs> but... I mean, you can, you can do some... You know,
1: general deducing, but... Yeah, it's after Birds of Prey. Batman wasn't around during Birds of Prey, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's always, like, kind of heroic turns from villains or cool sacrifices. We get a couple of those. And uh, corrupt government topples um, a regime in, like, some sort of, like, badass fashion. You know what I mean? And, and this movie kind of just nails, like, the tone of the comics. So... Yeah,
2: I... i Mm -hmm. i i I researched a bit of that kind of stuff myself and uh so what what is uh god i'm so i i have to apologize that like i didn't like come with notes so like i'm brain farting on every actor's name that i know i know uh the guy that's in every one of guns movies yondu henry michael Michael Rooker. rooker so what's the name of his character again
1: the savant. the
2: savant, yes. So I, I, in my research, I after the fact, I saw that that was like a similar thing that had happened where the savant had sort of like pussied out or or betrayed or something the team, and that was something that was actually adapted. Is that is that true?
1: It's from a rather recent Suicide Squad savant, like kind of he's like a D level Batman villain who was kind of like the B level. Main protagonist of Gail Simone's like Birds of Prey run from like 10 years ago. That's kind of like what he's best known for. And then this is kind of my beef with Suicide Squad 2016 and also like the comics up until very recently, like New 52 and on, is they had these characters like Harley Quinn, guys, whether we like it or not, is the tent pole for Warner Brothers in DC property wise. You know what I
2: mean? She's she's like. The Loki, or even the Tony Stark of, of their
1: of the DC. Series. She's like the fifth pillar. It's like Batman, essentially Superman, Joker, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn.
2: I just mean like it the glue in that is holding all of these movies. Together. Yeah. Like,
0: well, geez. you say that, and it kind of ties into this movie where she's the one character that I knew was safe. I know they made a point of saying, "No, that's yeah, no one was off the table." Like yeah, no even Harley Quinn, it's
2: like warner
0: brothers being fucking killing off harley Quinn. yeah yeah i while we're talking about the opening scene kind of i do like the costume they gave her at the very beginning best costume she's had in the movies in my opinion and agreed agreed we didn't really get much of it but uh live die
3: yeah, clown exactly. that's what it said oh, yeah right? they
2: put her in that red dress like i know it, it kind of irked me there but it's fine <laughs> but, we, but they uh, gave us that red and black aesthetic
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, they uh, they got rid of her, one of her shitty face tattoos, which I was happy yep. about. it. I wish they would have went mm-hmm. a little further, got rid of the uh, daddy's little the monster. Keep the arm tattoo with like the, the pattern. That, that's the only one. If you want to keep her tatted up, yeah. know. Uh,
3: yeah. Maybe the um, heart.
1: <laughs> every, yeah. every movie from now on should open up on Michael Rooker's craggly face. Um, yeah.
0: He is well, the fucking best. Fucking
1: <laughs> He's so wrinkly. Yeah.
0: I was thinking the music in that scene. It, it's not an establishing shot, but it's an esta- establishing track where you know you're in prison. If you hear Johnny Cash immediately, yeah,
3: yeah,
1: immediately. Yeah,
2: yeah. and it's like the it was the Folsom Prison song too, right? Yes, like was, yes. A yeah. uh, little on the nose,
1: but yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's kind of perfect. I like that they're all wearing Crocs. Uh, quite a bit and i like kind of how quickly they get to everything one of i I, I, pre ramble which i probably should have started with other than spoilers by the way if you're listening this far in spoilers for suicide squad which is something we keep forgetting to say every fucking time sorry i can't (laughs) um, know
2: you guys numbers though
1: but again, it's, it's, it's very difficult to not compare this to the 2016 movie and the 2016 movie when it was introducing all of these characters, they did like the two shot flashbacks, the entire Harley Quinn origin, walls of text, needle drops at every moment possible, even when it doesn't do something like elevate the scene with something like, you know, we see a room, but we hear Johnny Cash and, and we see a guy in an orange jumpsuit the viewer automatically knows from all of these audio and visual clues this is a prison you're not telling me it's a prison you know it doesn't mm-hmm. say Belry prison and then a wall of text like a fucking hot topic t-shirt that says yeah. everything about the fucking prison and and this movie introduces all of these characters so quickly with like the office workers and this movie's got that cabin in the woods style like goofy office vibe going yes, on behind yes. the, the scenes
2: money and all that but here's yeah, the gambling on who's
1: going to the, the deadpool yeah
2: One of my very few complaints, and it's basically unavoidable in a movie like this, or in most movies, is it does have its exposition dumps for the motivations and and who the characters are. Like the Mm -hmm. bus scene between Bloodsport and Ratcatcher, where they basically go off on three-minute monologues of of who they are
1: but I think those are big attributes to guns writing that work because they have a payoff towards the end and they're not just, empty expository here's a part where i tell you why i think or why i'm feeling something like they have an emotional payoff that takes place within the story as opposed to just being some sort of expository dump and i know you two are the biggest guardians to defenders and fans that i know and those are the things that kind of work best that's not a plot driven movie that is a character driven movie based on moments similar to that rat catcher um Dead shot, not mm. dead shot, blood sport. Um,
2: scene. same fucking
1: guy, yeah, same guy, guy. <laughs> but but those are the moments that do separate this movie from just being this very simple plot with a blue light in the sky or a giant starfish monster. Yeah, well,
2: that's what I love like a, a bright pink. Neon blue starfish is just amazing. Sure, so, like, with
1: we'll a lot of roots to DC. Yes, yes we have yes. words. We will get the Starro
2: the Conqueror because I can't wait.
0: <laughs> While uh, we were mentioning music, I, I do want to point out that uh, one of my few minor complaints is that I didn't love the soundtrack. I liked uh, the Jim Carroll band song they use after oh. the opening. But thank God, God you said it. that Travis. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty much it for me. I, uh, I go on. I, no, go ahead. I, that's pretty much it. I I was, was just because I didn't want
3: it
2: because. I had more, and it's the nitpick of it, but, like, and again, I, I say this because it it is basically unavoidable, but because these exposition dumps of the past of these characters are done in these monologues, it, like, invents the stakes and, like, the arc of, so, like, Rat Catchers, uh, not Rat Catchers, Bloodsport is afraid of rats, and then he has this, like, come to Jesus moment where he's basically protected saved by rats it's like it was all mm-hmm. just like conveniently delivered in this dialogue to like have this pay I don't know yeah Again, it is a very very inappropriate nitpick of mine and I <laughs> but I mean this movie is a, almost a hundred out of 100 for me so like I, yeah
0: I, they uh <laughs> they don't always pay them off though I don't think because like later on in the movie there's a point where I expected King short to uh, save. One of the other characters, then and it does not happen anyway. Uh, oh, he gives I'm him
2: good. a hug. He gives him a hug. Well, and they, was, and they, <laughs> they, they say ratcatcher too is like the heart of the movie. It's like I'm yes. sorry, but like I this I rat in the coat and fucking King Shark for me, like had me in oh, yeah. the feels almost every time. Like King Shark is basically my four year old son Timothy. Like, it was, sure. like mm-hmm. it was exactly that. And it's just like I I felt so much for King. Yeah, like, oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, King Sharks good The CGI on him looks great whenever
2: it's up close. Uh I liked Brightcatter a good deal. Uh yeah, I did too. Travis, did you like Stallone doing the voice of King Shark?
0: It was fine. God I King did King wonder God. like how much he got paid for it. Like I <laughs> wondered the same thing about Vin Diesel, uh, like well, with Droid, well,
2: but... What I read, because obviously he's worked with Gunn, he was in Guardians mm-hmm. of Galaxy too. And I think Gunn approached him and said, hey, I have this character that I want you to play. Who is It's Basically this big shark that wears fucking a bathing yeah. suit. And,
3: and yeah, that wears was, jean shorts. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I like jean shorts. Kids.
2: And he just said, anything for you, man. Like, yeah. along with the oh, yeah. board when he told him that. So I That's don't know cool. what his paycheck
0: huh? is. Yeah, jean uh, shorts are kind of a hard character to fuck up so long as you can actually make him a giant short man. Uh, for me they
2: kind of they kind of made uh-huh. him uh, a Groot hulk amalgam
0: yes yeah a bit a bit and with a bit of to there where he's not quite right
2: <laughs> like there was a lot of hulk type like the walking on the stairs and him getting the yeah. fuck when his no one bought his mustache. Yeah, he oh, had a yeah, mustache. That was so good. Chain. And, yeah. like, I almost just, cried on that because he was so upset and they were still laughing.
0: Yeah, yeah, you just can't fathom why uh, this guy isn't going to work for him. I, and then they and, just leave him in the van while they do a drink and it's uh, I know,
2: uh, and the friend, like, when uh, he was so excited to see the fish friends of his, we will get to that when we uh, get. But the, sorry, the, Don, I, I
1: No, just, no, no, I just, like, I think it says a lot of James Gunn, the writing and the pacing of this movie where, again, we get big expository stuff from the characters that matter. And again, that does build up stakes mm-hmm. because, you know, even these characters that we kind of think are safe by the end will die at the very end of the movie. And yes. Yes. so so the stakes do not quit. But again, right off the bat, like they say, you know, while they're gambling in the Deadpool in the office, they're like, Mongal, is she an alien or some sort of God thing? And then we see Mongal jump and say, like, I got the bird and grab the helicopter. Mm-hmm. And and the audience at that point is like, oh, that's that alien God thing. What the fuck is her deal? Holy shit. Her head is blown off. And then oh. they cut um <laughs> they cut uh, Mr. Potato Hedgeye Courtney's head off and, you know, he was one well, of yeah, the I few guess, returning he had, characters.
2: He had had those wood splinters in his face first. So was, yeah, so that, that was cool. Saw. For a second, I was like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. He just died and then, like, the explosion takes him out. Yeah, and I, was, I like, love the wood
0: splinters, too. That was not something you see too often I, in movies. <laughs>
2: this, um, either of you two, I'm sure, will be able to answer this for me. It was Nathan Stillen's character... You know the detachable kid is he an actual DC character? Was yes, that so- he's pretty
0: much an arm fall off boy. Yes, but he was
1: so,
2: actually a character. That- mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so like there was a fan naming contest in the late seventies, like in the post um, Crisis on Infinite Earths DC when like. Um, Kurt Swan and 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 John Byrne was writing Superman and Frank Miller did Batman Year One and and that peak era basically for DC in the Bronze age. They did like a fan naming, like create your own character. Uh, Mm -hmm. Marvel did it, too, with Venom and the black Spider-Man costume and paid some guy fifty dollars and they got Venom out of it. But DC did the dope thing and took a uh, arm fall off boy whose powers were that he had detachable arms that floated through space and slapped people silly and he was that, a one-off who that's got what killed was
2: like
3: because you're like you're,
2: you know exactly what movie you're in basically you're already kind yeah, of getting is. there and but like when Nathan, when his arms detach and it's like oh what's this and it just floats up to these soldiers and starts kind of popping like, them yeah. around i'm like oh my god this movie's gonna be fucking great <laughs>
1: And every character gets it's not a big moment, but it's a quick moment. We get Weasel yes. getting called the fucking werewolf and Pete Davidson's Blackguard freaking out about Weasel and having the, you know, I'm the one who called you kind of what I got with about the tropes from the comics where one of the members always rats them out and it happens right away. So and Mongal, you know, she's um, Mongrel's daughter. And she's, like, a Superboy villain from, like, the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like
0: that they pronounced her name with the gal at the end and not just calling her Mongol.
1: You <laughs> could.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and and we, they all got their little moment and then pretty much all their heads blew up. And and the only ones who survived were Harley, Rick Flagg, and... um. Uh, is, and who else survived? I think, that that team? Team. I think it
2: was only the two of them from that
1: team. <laughs> yeah, it was only <laughs> the two of them.
2: Because survive <laughs> looked like he was gonna like, and that was great also when like he was acting like such a badass, like exasperated tough guy with the team, and then sees all this like you know, you know, the beach of Normandy fucking carnage water, yeah. and he just fucking yeah. like starts crying and running away and swimming away like that's gonna fucking do anything.
1: and then oh. we get another trope where Amanda Waller blows somebody's head off for betraying the team. Like instantly, we're getting it they're like greatest hits for why the suicide squad are dope and this movie's gonna be dope. <laughs> and,
2: and, you know, it wasn't Rick Flagg didn't have some fucking Apple Watch on his fucking arm and Amanda Waller wasn't doing it on her fancy dancy cell phone. It was in that really cool, like nuclear suitcase. Yeah. Open, flip the switch, and then I was like, "God, he just
1: very just, analog, uh, techie. Just, you know what I mean? And
2: like made everything, like did everything right that the last movie did
1: wrong. Yeah. That's when we cut to the B team, and it's it's the other side of the beach, and we find out Waller sent in this other team. We've already had a title card. It's already said. The Suicide Squad introduced us to what we thought was going to be our audience surrogate, who has died. Introduced us to a bunch of new characters that we all kind of like, and they're all dead. Some old characters dead, and then we get like another opening title credits.
2: And it's like a three it's, days earlier thing, like they did right. So they did a
1: lot of that they do a lot of that. The editing and the s- storytelling is is kind of in trickily intertwined and it's a lot in media res and playing with time. And I think this is kind of funny. The There were two editors on this movie. One of them was Frank Raskin and his credits are three Fast and the Furious movies, okay. Django Unchained and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So he's worked with the Fast franchise and Quentin Tarantino and and the other guy was uh, christian wagner who direct uh edited all of the american john wu movies so like broken arrow face off and mission impossible 2 which i know kira and i are like big fans of
2: <laughs> I'm I'm sincerely fans of that you're not are, me are too you being okay. no
1: i'm not i defend that movie i like <laughs> I, american I, john wu movies I, I love
2: mission impossible 2 and impossible. he's a-
1: he also worked with Tony Scott and edited uh, True Romance and oh, like, Domino yeah. and a couple Tony Scott movies. And so much of this movie is told through edits, kind of in media res. Like, you know, you can make the Reservoir Dogs comparison or something along that line. And that, that uh, choppy
2: narrative structure where it's Yeah. Very Yeah, Tarantino. they do
1: it a lot. Yeah, very Tarantino, very, you know, um, French New Wave. Like, if you want to get fucking Criterion snob about hey. it, <laughs> you know what I mean? No muscle there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm flexing yeah. a little, but, but like that, that is a weird combo of editors to with like a weird amount of integrity, but a weird alo- amount of schlock kind of under their belt. Like same way with, with James Gunn. He's, he's a weirdo. Like he has artistic creativity, but he's, and, and he's a genius, but he also came from trauma and made like Tromeo and Juliet and a bunch of like Lloyd Kaufman is his mentor. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's really I mean, weird. You to know, To the
3: point
0: that he has two cameos in this film. Uh,
1: that, Lloyd
0: does? Yes, I I don't know. There's like one earlier on where it's very brief and you can kind of miss it, and then
2: yeah, they the in the bar or something, something,
0: Travis. Yeah, yeah, he's like dancing with this girl, and yeah, uh, it, it looks depressed. Uh,
2: uh
1: when um they introduce the new team. And we kind of realize, like, Waller has the strategy, like you mentioned before, Kira, where it's like, I picked the cannon fodder with the silly, dumb characters like Weasel and Armfall Off Boy and to flags, die. but
3: whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, but we know Flag's going to last. You know, uh, I uh, the, needs, the needs of the many. Yeah, no. When we get to
2: that, yeah. we'll
1: get to but, that. And there's some good body horror, too. Like, before they I, cut to the Suicide Squad and the, mm-hmm. the James Carroll song yes, um, yes you see michael rooker's brain getting eaten by the canary <laughs> yeah,
0: i Bob mean that. you mentioned yeah. body horror and we'll get to it later on but i loved how far they leaned into the body horror with this with a few different characters
2: uh, oh, good out man for sure
0: yes yes
2: uh, for some reason though you brought about that bird scene like this movie definitely seemed to have some sort of vendetta against birds
1: But i was that, gonna that, start i like, when i was writing the little intro to the episode that was going to be my first question was why do you think james gunn hates birds so
3: much <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. But because
1: I he, he, burns, he burns a cage of them later on in the movie yeah. he starts the movie off with uh, 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 the talented character actor michael Rooker with the craggly face destroying a bird with the tennis ball um he does kill They're birds like a lot ball, yeah. <laughs> oh ragged ball yeah yeah um Yeah, we have Bloodsport, Peacemaker, first look at John Cena, first look at King Shark, Mamawe, first look at Ratcatcher 2, and and the Polka Dot Man. Um, (laughs) And we get the flashback with Bloodsport in the prison. He finds out his daughter... Did I say it right? Bloodsport. I did say it right. Yeah, Good. Yes. yeah I just got to keep thinking Van Damage and then I'll be straight <laughs> on this unless I start calling him Kickboxer, which I'll yeah. try not to do. <laughs> but she steals some watch that she can watch TV on and a man who He finds c- out
2: about all that. We find out that Bloodsport is a shameless uh, replacement of Deadshot. Go on.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I discovered that uh, stealing this type of watch is apparently a felony, and it get sent to prison, which is fucking odd if you don't know, have priors.
1: Uh, yeah, and the audience is, you know, they, well, I say the audience, but the office worker, audience mm-hmm. surrogates are all freaked out. They're like, Jesus fucking Christ, our boss sucks. She's yeah. going to kill a kid, uh, which is a theme well, that happens often in this movie. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I will go ahead
3: and
1: say
0: that.
2: Everybody daughter, kept saying that, like, children, you're killing, Harley said, killing children.
1: The office yep. workers, killing children. Mm-hmm. Like Starro, at, at the end, they're like, we gotta stop him, he's killing children. And and Rick Flagg holding the drive, like, you killed children!
2: They yeah, say it well, a lot
1: in
0: this movie. That, well, that was a bit of a, a reach. They never actually said
1: that they killed children during that thing. Yeah. They, they, they just, they but by the way,
0: that it. scene
2: is gnarly, but like... Uh, yeah.
1: Doctor was, Who admits to fucking octopus people.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, he had
1: my way with me. And, and he's just like, just hey, what are smiling, you what?
2: Yeah, it's like you want to rat up your ass. It's like I
1: think it would not. My response would be unexpected. Uh, This is my uh, second um, film this year with a Scotsman wearing a cool plaid tracksuit too. After Colin Farrell wears a tracksuit in Guy Ritchie's The Irishman or The Gentleman, Mm -hmm. but uh, you know, yeah, not the Irishman, the the gentleman, but uh, he plays like a Scotsman wearing a fucking dope tracksuit, and it's. Crazy to see the Scottish Doctor Who fucking talking about fucking starfish and rats up his butt, which and is like another trying, joke in this movie. They're
2: trying to get him through the stripper back room and like he's just lollygagging.
1: Yes. We, when
0: uh, well, Waller. I was going to say, uh the Deadshot Bloodsport daughter thing was one of the few things in this movie that didn't work for me. I like, was just there.
1: It's quick though.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's quick. Yeah, it I mean, quick. it's really the only thing with. Bloodsport's character that I didn't really care for. Uh, and I think that was... It awesome. Uh, kind I, of
2: I think that was the one change they made, because I mentioned to you guys before we started recording that uh, Idris Elba was initially cast to replace Will Smith as Deadshot, and then yeah. they pulled the Mulligan at the last minute and had him play Bloodsport so that Will Smith could return as Deadshot in the future. But, like, they didn't <laughs> seem to change almost anything in the script in regards to that being Deadshot. But... With the dynamic with the daughter, there was a loving one with with Deadshot and his daughter. Whereas in this one, they're strange. Uh,
1: and they hired a good child actress this time, which makes a world of difference. This girl was.
2: Because she's gorgeous. Hmm.
1: Yeah, she was really good, and I think that makes a difference. It's really quick. It has some humor to it, where the other one was kind of just this emotionalist little bad child actress, like, don't Batman. get arrested in front of Batman, and well, Batman's like, sorry little girl, I'm going to take your children, I'm going to take your father away, just like my father was killed well, in an alley, just like it. where my parents were killed, yes, like what the she, fuck? <laughs>
2: seriously, and she stopped him from killing Batman, but
1: Yes. Whatever. Yes. But they do mention when they're like, who is bloodshot? They're like his dad trained him as a child to be a deadly assassin. He's anything in his hands as a weapon. He even put Superman in the ICU one time with the kryptonite bullet. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, the only fucking thing anyone ever knows bloodshot for being oh, about. Because mm-hmm. throughout the late 80s to mid 90s, DC could not compete with fucking Marvel And they were at one point the number three publisher in a two publisher world. You know what I mean? So they became obsessed with um, killing their big characters, breaking their big characters' backs. And at one point, Mark Millard has recently talked about how he wrote a treatment for the rape of Wonder Woman that was going to be like an event like the death of Superman. Yes, Travis.
2: Well, that (laughs) sounds also kind of like Joker bludgeoning Robin to death, too.
1: That was one issue, my friend. This was going to be DC's big event for Wonder Woman, Jesus. where every single page was going to be a splash page of Wonder Woman being publicly, basically like shamed and raped. And it would have been titled The Rape of Wonder Woman. Um, so DC was not at the best time, and they were doing dumb things, such as not. creating big, muscly characters who well, shoot he- <coughs> Superman with a kryptonite bullet, <laughs> which is all Bloodshot is known for. And some. he is blood much support, more. Blood Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Give them <laughs> some credit. They may have been doing Deathstroke the Terminator. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> what well, you were saying to give them some credit, Travis? Yes, yeah, some yes, credibility see, for this.
0: Well, no, give them some credit. You said they were doing dumb things, but from the sound of it, they could have been doing dumber things. But yeah,
2: yeah, That's, they
1: contemplated uh, doing something very dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: uh, and they also, I guess, were like when they hired Elba to replace will smith uh he's obviously going to have to speak in an american accent though like guess what you get to uh you get speaking your uh natural what is he? he's british right
1: yeah he's he's from brixton yeah
2: what
1: bruv bruv. bruv and
2: he's, another he's... another marvel dc uh success yeah.
1: Story. yeah he's a proper bruv he uh he actually should talk yeah. the MCU. what he do they call it should... the
2: cockney the cockney accent
1: yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he's a street guy. He he's rapped on Jay Z albums. You know, he oh, has. has it? Yeah, he's
2: that dude. You know, I you know I, I'm a lesbian, but like you know, there's a couple of guys where it's just Paul Rudd. brag. Uh, <laughs> where it's just like that dude is just so goddamn like, yeah, <laughs> a, a straight dude is gonna fuck that guy. I don't care what you say.
1: <laughs> yeah, take to, to um. To quote my beloved Fast and the Furious as Hobbs and Shaw, he's referred to as the Black Superman in that movie.
2: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I never. I, I forgot that he was the villain in that fucking movie.
1: Yes, Brixton. How could you forget Brixton? Um, because I
2: never watched that franchise past <laughs> the second movie.
1: Oh, you should watch Seven. It's an American masterpiece. I don't have friends. I got family. The blood sport. I almost said it again. Bloodsport Peacemaker, Bickering is also introduced in this scene when we're getting recruited to the mm-hmm. Amanda Waller stuff, which continues throughout and and ultimately has a payoff, like so much of this bullshit does in this movie. Again, credits to James Gunn for doing all this shit with the like. He doesn't. Yeah, he says a very British. Yeah, foreshadowing. He says a very British thing where he says like, "Are you having a loss?" Because she's like. Uh, his dad trained him to be a killer. Anything in his hands is a deadly weapon. He's like, he does he's exactly the that, same thing yeah. I do, but a little bit better. It's sure. like, I shoot more and, precise with the smaller bullets. Yes. He's
2: standing there and he's obviously very militaristic, uh, which we see more and more with Peacemaker compared to Bloodsport. Uh, he still takes all that like very seriously. He's standing at attention, basically, when he's being introduced and kind of like walks in cadence.
1: What are uh, both of your thoughts on John Cena? What are your histories with John Cena? He's obviously a huge entertainer and a big star from what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. What um, are your thoughts before this? What do you think of him after this? Cause I have thoughts of like pre suicide squad Cena and post suicide squad Cena, because uh, okay. he has been a love hate yeah, relationship. Between it, yeah. well, you answer no.
2: first, Travis.
0: Okay. Well, this is going to be completely off topic in completely unrealistic but like i what is
1: it that you refer to professional wrestlers as travis oh like carnies yes yes, carnies.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, and you it, oil them up you I, throw
1: them out in a ring and you make them entertain
3: you
0: yeah yeah Like i've watched a, a good amount of wrestling over the years i'm a fan somewhat yeah. and i was never a big Cena guy but i do respect that he does a lot of make-a-wish stuff uh like, that, like record amounts of it which is very impressive But like, like I also had the thought of what if he was a serial killer and like was just poisoning all these sick children and cause it would be like the perfect cover. <laughs>
1: and that's kind of why he works in this movie a little bit too. And he seems to be playing to those kinds of strengths to the public's perception of him because yeah, yeah. he well, was, I
0: mean, he's like an uber douche in this movie and it's yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it works. It works. Uh,
1: and he's like, from post attitude error wrestling, which is you know kind of yeah, admittedly is, a weak point for professional is, wrestling in my opinion, yeah, but a popular yeah. point for that's a lot of when people. I have, and,
2: when I have to offer my answer, I, I won't be informed from his wrestling. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, you I'll know that's much, what I
0: mean. He's pretty much had a had a longer run as the top star of the company, but the top wasn't as high. <laughs>
1: but, uh, returning for SummerSlam to fight Roman Reigns who they yes, keep trying to yes. make a thing
0: <laughs> I mean they're they're on their way now, I think but I, I've stopped watching it's just terrible
1: yeah I'm still so, I'm, I'm kind of like a Seth Rollins fanboy so yeah. I still uh, I've, I've started watching <laughs>
0: AEW and I'm watching New Japan
1: you're uh, so hardcore you're
0: too yes, hardcore yes, for me uh, <laughs> what
3: anyway,
1: have I you are, thought what have you thought of John Cena Kira what's your uh, relationship with I, him
2: yeah yeah
0: did you have more to add travis i'm sorry no no i was just uh, yeah i was just watching then your facial expression
2: and well because you we guys yeah, started talking about something and i was thinking about suffocating myself <laughs> with a pillow <laughs> I, we're I, trying I, to talk, I, talk
1: about super cool dudes oiled up
2: yeah, getting yeah, yeah, down tights, on top of some manly and, yeah, bodies yeah. so yeah. I, I i'm aware of him obviously his you know coming from uh. You know w was he wwf or whatever they are that
1: wwe wrestler, at that point
2: wrestler, true you know, respect, true respect. Know, like it's hard to not compare him to dwayne johnson and the rock yeah you know, like where his career trajectory is headed he did the wrestling and he's mm-hmm. charismatic and it seems like maybe he can be a action movie star my first experience with him as an actor was from the bumblebee reboot um which w- it, his performance was fine if not very memorable like he, yeah he's yeah very guy um in term i don't know if it's just because this character is his wheelhouse and that's kind of like maybe how his personality is but like i thought uh this is a guy i could definitely keep watching in action movies
3: mm-hmm. and
2: i'm glad i well we're talk, we're past spoilers now so like i'm i'm glad that he's going to be getting this series on HBL Max.
3: Yes, me and, too.
2: And I was just uh I, I kept trying to think of what actor the cadence of his speech reminds me of. And I'm I, I would remember it and then I would forget it. And especially in the scene that we're pretty much on and haven't been able to move past of yet, which is when that scene B gets on the beach and he's talking about sucking dicks on the Beach for Liberty. Yeah. And, he seems, I don't know if he's mimicking the cadence of like, uh, of, of another, I don't know. It just, it was a good delivery. And, um, I, I, I'm perfectly fine with this and, 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 and I didn't want to jump out. I might as well address it now, even though it's way later in the film. I won't go into.
3: Detail. Say it, say it.
2: that well, so we can discuss the scene, obviously the him and Rat Catcher. Show, you know, there's a close up of his face when he's about mm-hmm. to do it. And there was some fine acting by him. I agree. Yes. yes.
0: He surprised so, me with, in this one with like, his acting. I've seen him in a few things, like Mumblebee. He was decent, and then there's a, a movie on HBO Max that is also worth checking out called of the Pharmacy," where he's he uh, <laughs> he's pretty good in that too. It's like it's not like a big role or anything, but he is very funny and doesn't take himself seriously, and he does stuff that I don't
2: think the Rock and that's do. and that's what I like that he and and yes. that's why the Rock is also. Yeah. Cause you can tell well, I mean, him they're both silly guys, you
0: know. Yes, like, yes. Uh, he's less controlling at this point, too. I would imagine. Uh, he Rock
1: seems fans. more self-aware, mm-hmm. um, John Cena. Because y- you were saying, you know, you didn't really like him in wrestling, but you know, you always respected him. It's kind of like you know, you respect the hustle, but not the player. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Wasn't the was with like Hulk Hogan
0: back in the day, where it's just like, yeah, me yes, too. He's the top guy, but he's very like typical pro American.
1: Yeah.
2: Well I mean American. they're they're actors. You know? They're Yeah, yeah. They're but, carnies. Well I mean pro <laughs> wrestling is very it's scripted and they're playing mm-hmm. characters. You know? yeah
0: pro well, like, wrestling comedian is pretty much the same thing as comic books. There's people in colorful costumes and good and evil. Uh,
2: I was gonna say it's mm-hmm. not to say that like people say oh, wrestling's fake. It's like yeah, it is. It's all fucking scripted and, you know, yes, and yes. it's like but if you acrobatics and shit that they do and it's like Well that isn't the punishment if You're going to say that they're not mm-hmm. talented like you're out of your fucking
1: mm-hmm. mind like, Yeah the physical yeah. toll that that kind of work takes on you it's almost kind of like the highest form of entertainment in a lot of ways because it's like literal fucking theater in like the essence of like what drama is and it's yeah, yeah. Or I mean, they literally
0: ways. cut themselves with the razor blades you have to see yeah. well that's like yeah. the really bad
2: ones like you know they went on they they showed that aspect with the wrestler of like you know the the more behind the scenes lower grade wrestling matches but but not only to say to that like the the Obviously, the peak condition that they have to keep themselves in, whatever they're doing mm-hmm. to their bodies to uh, do it, whether it's done through, you know, chemically or whatever, uh, almost.
0: Supposedly, therapy. Cena isn't on steroids. Uh, oh, I'm not accusing
2: him of being on it. Yeah, yeah. you but know, Only know his
1: chin. Only his chin does steroids. The rest of his body <laughs> yes. is,
3: is all, that, you uh, know, center. just. Since,
2: <laughs> since we talked about that, at think, see, like, you know, when, when, when I hate that we're talking. So the explosion happens, and you see him kind of like on the ground. Like, was his face like? Did they put makeup on him in terms of like? Was his face all fucked up and bent out of shape? Like it looked like. It was <laughs> like. Does John
1: Cena's like, chin just look like John Cena's chin? Well, when you notice point. his helmet got knocked <laughs>
2: off, it looked like maybe like his they had put like prosthetics on him
1: or something. But like that. He's yeah. like, he has one of those faces that is an interesting type of character actor that is kind of hard to come by and very rarely becomes a leading man that I always kind of wish became a leading man. Like, um, Schwarzenegger did do it for a while where he was very self-aware of his image and who he was and what he could do with his physical, you know, overbearing presence and deliver that for the juxtaposition of being like the opposite. And and he did that really well. And, you know, The Rock could do that, but he doesn't. He takes himself more Mm self-serious. And I, I just kind of respect that Cena is playing so off type and so like capable of playing off type and his face is almost like he's handsome and he's a leading man, but he's almost like cartoonish. Like uh Bruce Campbell is kind of one yeah, of these yeah, guys. It's like
0: a fair drawing of where like a yeah. caricature
3: Yeah.
2: It's what I talked about when we discussed it was what it was my call in question where you know Chris uh Captain America. Chris, uh, Evans. Chris Evans, you know, can't beat him as Captain America. Nobody. But like that uh Wyatt Russell aesthetically mm-hmm. resembles more of how they were drawing these characters in the comics with the chisel. Sure. And that's how John Cena looks. Like, like yeah. a cartoon.
1: Like an yes. actual cartoon. Yes, cartoon. yes. Yes. I agree. Yeah. And I and I do like that. And I like I think it takes a level of talent to play that and, mm-hmm. and like use that for either comedy or drama or whatever you're trying to portray and he does a really good job he's got a comedy coming out at the end of the summer that's like a like a couples romantic comedy where like they met these friends on like a vacation in Cancun and we're doing like make coke with them and said like oh come to our wedding and then they actually show up and they're like a bunch of squares and Cena and this party girl show up and they're like we brought all this cocaine up our assholes and it's like Cena snorting coke and like having Hello? a party yeah so I like he's doing it you know
3: he's
2: in yeah. this movie too like right out of the bat he's he's you know we they're all villains That's yeah the suicide they squad. suck like, yeah
3: they he, all suck
2: <laughs> played like from soup to nuts towards the end like a pretty damn unlikable character probably the most unlikable of the squad in terms of like he's son kind of a bitch you're gonna mm-hmm. kill everybody that we love uh i will say that like the most unrealistic part what is what is flags actor name, joel kinnaman or
3: something
2: like that yeah, yeah yeah uh i was like this is great you know flag versus uh the peacemaker but i'm like <laughs> joel kinnaman i saw him without a shirt in this movie already he's gonna be fighting yeah. fucking john john Cena. Cena.
1: yeah <laughs> uh-huh. the um knowing too that there's going to be a peacemaker series kind of was like fuck it's almost like the harley shit where like they're not going to kill off harley but they've been doing a really good job kind of concealing it and being like it's mm-hmm. a peacemaker origin series right. Wink, wink.
3: Yeah, because yeah.
1: they they cast um robert patrick from terminator 2 the t-1000 to play um peacemaker's father you oh. know okay. and um. and you know father and child issues is a major theme of not only the suicide squad, but you know, previous James Gunn movies and things that he's produced like bright burn, but also the guardians movies. That's kind of what works best. I think you guys would agree in guardians two, is the father son stuff and the yeah. child relationship and guardians one, the, the father, mother, uh, the son, mother relationship with Quill's mom and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Gamora and Nebula with Thanos too. um. So it's very much in Gunn's wheelhouse to, you know, have this film be so centered on that being an emotional kind of route with the Ratcatcher 2 and her dad, who we find us played by Taika Waititi. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah.
3: I yep. forgot yeah. he was in this. I, I mm-hmm. forgot he no. was in it too. And I'm like, yeah. oh, shit.
1: Yep, Two big releases for Taika this weekend because I think it, Free Guy came out and bombed, right? Do <laughs> you guys
3: think
0: that this was like uh, uh, he was included because he chose not to uh, enter his hat into the Guardians 3 director pool? Uh,
1: oh, like keeping it in the, the family? Was He's like, yeah, no, I'm yeah, not yeah. going to do that by gun? Maybe? Yeah, yeah. I remember Maybe. him coming out
0: and saying that he had no interest in directing it. I uh, know that was one of the things that people were, I uh, guess, calling for back when.
2: Well, and it definitely seems like an odd, like, like, Ratcatcher 1 could have been played by fucking anybody. Yes. You know what I mean? And to have Watiti play him, it's like, you know, it seems very intentional. Yeah.
1: But they centered the Rat Catcher, Rat Catcher 2 father-daughter relationship as kind of the emotional core towards the end payoff. They centered mm-hmm. the you know, like we've talked about before, the bloodshot daughter relationship as kind of a plot contrivance. <laughs> um, you know, and, and it did have a there. payoff. The bloodshot yeah.
0: this time, I mean, it's basically, sure. yeah,
1: yeah. Sure, but, but Gunn is really good at that stuff. And again, we know Robert Patrick is coming as the... I almost call him the comedian as the Peacemaker's father um, in this HBO Max show that I think Gunn directed like four of the six episodes. and I then know he, he's
2: heavily involved. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He wrote the whole thing. And then, oh, that's so, um, that's, that's good. yeah, I'm really looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to it knowing too that it's going to explore the peacemaker and father relationship because those are things that Gunn does well. So for him to kind of have this inspiration halfway through filming, like there's a scene kind of later on where they're on a bus and the surviving squad is going to like whatever mission they're doing on the island.
2: And that's when they're getting the
1: thinker. Yeah. That's when they're going to get the thinker. Yes. And they're talking about the, Relationship between Ratcatcher Two and and Ratcatcher father and I I I mean,
2: but you see Cena in
1: the background, kind of looking like a little dismissive. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, that's coming too. You know what I mean? I can't
2: wait. What I liked about that scene is Bloodsport thinks he has her in his crosshairs, no pun intended. Where he's like, you have daddy issues, and -hmm. uh, uh, no, she loves her. Like you know, her father's like -hmm. the most important thing. I like that. I like like. Nice try, asshole. No, I'm
1: not yeah. one of those millennials that like you know. That's not why I look like this. And a nice kind of play on that theme, where we kind of get the generic like, "Oh, I disappointed my daughter. My daughter doesn't like me." Thing with with Bloodshot, like we did with Deadshot in the first one. But we, but we, yeah, wow. but we have a nice, yeah, whatever. What <laughs> we get, we we have a nice kind of twist on that theme where. It's like no, I had this great relationship with my father, and now I finally learn what he was trying to teach me—that we all had purpose. It's like finding purpose is also a huge theme in this movie too. Like Polkadot Man is a main character in well, this movie. I, I, yeah, well,
2: so watch closely in that scene because I got you know I paid attention on both times with that. So my critique of it being like those those, those are the biggest exposition dumps. Um, I think Gunn was uh, conscious about that because if you watch. Ratcatcher two goes through her whole spiel, and then Dead Sport. Thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah, Stroke the Terminator. Dead
2: uh-huh. Sport, Sport starts up with his, you know, like about like being locked, and like when he's when it trades off to like, okay, we just got her exposition dump. We're gonna get his exposition dump. Uh, I forget the actor's name, who I love, who's in Marvel too. Like a lot of this is Marvel people. Uh, oh yeah, there are a lot of James players. Gunn people. Backers, yeah. The polka dot Man. Uh, I love him and everything he's in. Prisoners, is mm-hmm. great. Uh, he's also in Dark Knight. He is. Um, but uh, he emotes sort of in the half background uh, to sort of like, I guess, give the scene like to know, to kind of like gun to show the audience he knows what he's doing right now with these it's just It's not bad filmmaking, it's just like, it's what he's doing. Like it's really, And
1: it comes quick uh, and it feels passive, but then it has emotional payoff towards the end. Like it comes quick, it's painless, it's snappy and it works and we get it. And then we either get a subversion of that theme towards the end or in that moment, or we get some sort of emotional payoff for all these things like back to the, the parental themes and stuff being in gun. I'm just like looking over my notes for a polka dot man. And I have polka dot man has growing disco herpes and expels them like yeah. explosive gonorrhea. He got these disco herpes by his mad scientist mother, who he sees everywhere, trying to turn her son into a superhero with space goo at star lab, where the flesh works. Is that true to his character in the
2: comic?
1: No, but okay. it's cool. And it's, him, it's so cool. him I'm having the, Yeah, that guy's great. And what did you guys think of the trope where they kept showing the mom everywhere? Like, well, where's your mother now?
3: And she's everywhere.
2: Possibly, besides the Milton stuff, possibly like the most hilarious part of the movie. Like, the first one we get of it is when he's envisioning Squad is all Mm that, even like the CGI mom shark version of her. But when and Dean, if
1: you notice the rat, the rat, Sebastian, the I rat not, changes into
2: I her. <laughs> I know, I watched that. Yeah. But I, I watched it too. Dean, when Bloods, which is also, they, they make this b- banana scene have emotional fucking, like, you know, meaning when he says, that's mm-hmm. your mom. And when you see Sorrow as his mom, like, me and Kyle were on the floor. Like, like, and the actress that they chose for this woman. Like, it's just, yeah. every fucking move in this was, like, swish.
0: Actually, Polkadot Man in general was, like, i mean, spoil the end of this real quick, but, like, he was utilized the perfect amount. Like, uh, there was a point where I thought this character has pretty much reached the maximum that I want to see him, and then in, within, like, ten seconds, he was yawned.
1: Yeah, Yeah. the the um, Suicide Squad has the cinematographer Henry Braun returning from working with Gone on Guardians One and Two, and the movie has some exquisite shots. But one that particularly stands out—it was a trailer moment—and it has a really cool song that uh, K. Flaw can't sleep. That like kind of like poppy hip hop song when they're dancing in the club and they're all getting drunk, and you get the team kind of vibing. Kind of moment, but when you see Polka Man finally having a good time and he's dance disco dancing and yes, he does the yes. cool like Napoleon Dynamite, that's your, that's your Zemo fucking uh, mm-hmm.
2: moment. But go, go on, I know where you're yeah.
1: going. No, it was just and then all the faces were his mom oh, yeah. while he's like grind humping, yeah, he's like grinding and, and dry humping.
2: I, i love that montage uh me too uh which is i had said like it kind of reminded me of the you know like you say the baseball mo- moments in x-men and the uh, yep. avengers the party scene in avengers Day to ultron uh i love how they t- so rick flag was near unlikable in the first movie right mm-hmm. you know he was yeah. such a fucking you know stick up his ass douche and i love. That they what they did they brought his character back home to like make us and and so like one of the shots that they see in that montage is him in blood sport, just you know like they're just two fucking old friends hanging out and like uh you know having beers and like just and even John well, Spokes- they go on,
1: they actually are. Um, from the same black ops group and that is mentioned in this movie and they're like flag recommended you he worked with you on this black ops group in like and then it's this made-up um, Middle Eastern kind of vaguely racist, like Djangoistic, like country that sounds like Iraq, which is exactly. a real place from the DC universe yeah. too, and they actually right. did fight in, and that's where Jodenheim is located, the, the giant castle thing. They there were some it. cool. They yeah,
2: changed they changed Jotunheim it from there to uh, to the
1: Court Maltese. Court um, of Maltese, yes, which is you know has its history too. You know, it was in. Frank Miller's uh, Dark Knight Returns as this like communist uh, stand in for Cuba, like the South uh, yeah. American kind of vaguely, you know, generic country with this communist regime. Where Frank Dale Miller's made a
2: name for herself in Tim Burton's Batman.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's its other famous place. And in the comics, um, the government, this like very pro American you know, straw man, Superman goes and topples this communist regime. And then the Russians nuke it and Superman survives the nuclear attack. And that's when the government, you know, that Frank Miller's whole thing was like, let's use Superman as a government pawn and Batman as the like freedom fighter kind of thing. And they, that's where it kind of came from, where there were always these freedom fighters on the um, Corto Maltese, uh, you know, regime kind of toppling this government. Bane is from the island next to it because okay.
3: bane.
1: I did not know that. <laughs> bane is spanish in the comics but like his cultural revenance is the no not not for you like voice yeah, you the know
2: people account know that that's, <laughs> they changed that or whatever and because tom hardy liked an irish mm-hmm. uh you know gloveless boxer that sounded like that but whatever i digress but to i before i still want to stay on the the, uh, no,
1: let's talk uh, about the uh, dance scene because you get to see John Cena also dance to the k law oh, song in yeah. yeah. jean shorts and a and a yeah. tight. Well, I think it was khaki
2: shorts, right, and like a blue polo. It was, it was jean shorts was and a jean white polo. Was, it was, it was the better, dumbest was yeah, cr- outfit. I hope yeah. he was wearing uh, what are the uh, the shoes that dads all mow their grass in the, the
1: and like Sperrys or something like that or a New, Balance. <laughs> New Balance.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I also, but in that scene, also at least the. Of the montage, you see Peacemaker lighten up by giving the waitress grief for not bringing the rat uh a drink as well. And you see, mm. you know, you see everybody having that great time. And again, poor Anawe is that a, when Inawe is in the van? Yes, yeah. you know, <laughs> like it's like, oh, you know? but uh, yeah, uh, one of my favorite parts, one of the highlights of the movie.
1: We can't not mention. Ildris Alba wearing a Kangle and how ballsy that is to not only wear a Kangle but look good in a Kangle. It is something that I, as an Italian American from Long Island, had many an uncle who tried to wear a Kangle once upon a time. And I'm very familiar with dudes trying to pull these fucking dumb hats off. And he looks like Samuel L. Jackson's the other guy who like looks dope. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um Ildris Alba we talked a lot about John Cena Ildris Alba is really fucking good in this movie and he's very funny and very tough and fills made a character of nothing something and made a character that was a stand in for the biggest movie star of all time something and a lot of credit has to be given to ildris alba in this I, moment, I asked you, you guys know. about
2: that like could you imagine if will smith came back for this and we were robbed of that performance uh, yeah it would i don't i don't i can't imagine uh james gunn being able to make that happen with will smith yeah, i don't know yeah uh, just,
3: it
2: doesn't It just clashes
0: one more thing about this thing that I wanted to mention. It's just like a small cameo thing, but did either of you notice uh, Mantis from um, Clementia is in
1: She's one of the dancers, right? Yes. She's like yeah, the dancer yeah, in the one red one of the
2: lead ones, yes. She just has have, no eyebrows, I think. I had not noticed, but I, I saw people talking about it in comment section.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: What what do we know her best from? Um the spike leaves remake of Old Boy, right? wasn't
0: <laughs> oh christ yeah i i forgot yeah, that Wilson, is court. Court. No, in that no that's
2: that's not that's uh elizabeth olsen uh old boy right
0: oh fuck, no I no did I fuck up <laughs> i may be right about it elizabeth i want to say olsen she may olsen have been that josh brolin or
2: uh josh brolin are definitely the ones in the old boy
1: drivers where is she from <laughs>
0: She is in that old boy remake too. Uh, Elizabeth oh, Olsen
2: is just not as
3: inan- character.
0: Yeah, yeah, she's like a racist caricature of a martial artist. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, not I, I a fan watched, of that remake. Well, I watched
3: the original. For someone
0: that, for someone that complains as much about race, it annoys me that they cast an Asian actress in that role in It's fucking racist.
1: Yeah. Come on. Uh, yeah. Mike Lee, yeah. of all people, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the I
3: original's obviously,
2: well you, know, uh, you know, one of the, you know, it's a classic. Great, yes. Um, yeah.
1: And a staple of a very specific movement in cinema for a nation. You know absolutely. what I mean? It,
2: it's, and yeah. uh, no. I don't think I made it past the uh, doppelganger scene of Josh Brolin fighting everybody off.
1: Oh yeah, I think, I, I, I that, it.
0: I think, I think that's where I shut it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, yeah. It I don't mind the occasional remake. It wasn't as good as the first, and there's bad decision making throughout, but uh it's it's fine.
1: I'm kind of like a uh, sycophant yeah. for Spike Lee, where mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of like obsessed with that guy, and he was like, stuff. yeah, he was the first like director who made me realize like what a director did like him and Tim Burton kind of oh, yeah. um, just because I saw do the right thing when I was probably a little too young. And, you know, Tim Burton was the first one where I was like, Oh, this looks like a Tim Burton movie. I know what a director does. Same thing with Spike Lee and, I'm, you know, such a big Knicks fan that he's been kind of like a daily part of my life for so long. Cause I see the guy's face a couple times a week for sure. my entire lifetime yeah. in like a weird way. So I've always, and I like when he does like generic Hollywood fare, like he well, did uh, inside man. Yeah, You know, I'm when he like partial, tries to make a normal movie.
2: I'm more partial to those. So inside man also, uh, What's the one with Edward Norton? Uh, something oh, hours, 27
1: Hours? 27 yeah, hours,
2: yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. where kinda, he kind of flips it on his head. with the So, like, the white guy. Very goes, New
1: York, New York movie, too. It's a very New Yorker he's movie. He's the
2: white heroin dealer going to prison, and, like, the bad guys, quote-unquote, are these three black detectives, you know? So it's kind of yes. like it's flipping his his whole script on himself. His stick. Himself. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that, that's when I like Spike Lee, especially Inside Me. I love that movie. Like, you would almost you'd have if you didn't know you'd be like that wait that was directed by spike lee even though denzel washington's in it it's just it doesn't seem like it doesn't have any sort of like you know
1: no it feels like a tony scott movie exactly you know what, exactly what i mean exactly. yeah, yeah. which is, is kind action. of yeah, not gene- not a generic action movie but a good standard kind of airport thriller it's kind of like a yeah, genre so like, we don't get a it, lot of
2: no, bank robbery suspense movie you're gonna go wait to- yeah. uh uh Spike Lee directed
1: that, like, why? Yeah, uh, yeah, why didn't Jerry Bruckheimer produce this instead? Like, but Spike I mean, Lee made I mean, that, and that it, it's like, a like special
2: it would have definitely been on Tony Scott's desk for sure.
1: 150 percent, you know what I mean? Um, we, we talked about the flipping uh editing style so we could get different narratives kind of coinciding and playing with timeline and the immediate race stuff. Uh, we also talked about stakes being so high in this movie. I don't have a lot of complaints. I'm I'm going to suck this movie's dick pretty much from front to end. And I'm not going to complain about this, but uh, Harley, well (laughs) for Liberty, I'll do anything. We all know this. Uh And for um, the Harley stuff really focus. It's like its own side mission kind of occurring. And we're kind of going back to Harley Quinn. She's been, Captured, she saw Javelin die after kind of having a um, like kind of horny moment with them before. And she has this Javelin yeah. along her journey, but she doesn't know what it's for. And she gets courted basically by the Corto Maltesian, is how you say it, I believe, yeah. um, dictator general guy, because she's been chosen by the people of Corto Maltese for her raging anti American sentiment. And then you kind of get this like a vita. Montage, hundred and
2: ten Like a very kitschy, intentional Avita. Yeah,
1: like it. playing on the Disney princess. She like gets out. She's like, I feel like a princess. You know what I mean? um Also, I know Travis. You were kind of harsh on the soundtrack. I was gonna be like, I really like the soundtrack, and then you said you didn't like. It. <laughs> but one thing i like that they do in this movie a lot is a trick called diegetic music which Mm -hmm. is when like the music and the soundtrack that's taking place of the score in the film and it's like background music kind of telling the audience how to feel kind of progresses into uh, music that the the characters in the film are actually listening to and like on set audio. And that's, they, they use that trick a lot in this movie. They use it here where it's this kind of like surreal, like wine and dine with this uh, smoke show um, dictator dude that uh, Harley ends up fucking and lighting a room on fire, which I questioned why don't we go back to this crazy fire that just started? How That's did that right. go out?
2: I, I want to I know. know how that went out. It's <laughs> it like a, I hope they put that fire out. Like when they were like resting on the ground, I'm pretty
1: sure they're all. Right. <laughs> but, but they also did it earlier with the Jim Carroll song where it became something that they were like listening to wherever they were. They do it later when like they're all taken prisoner in, a, uh, in like a truck and then you see the guys in the truck listening to it. It's like a trick where it like it's this real surreal kind of moment and then it just like flashed to reality and it Again, James Gunn doing a good job, doing a good job, <laughs> you know. Um, And then she basically fucks this dude. He asks her to marry her, and she—he's like, "I'll kill all these women and children. I have a giant starfish in this tower named after Norse mythology that the Nazis built." And um she shoots him in the fucking back because—and we
2: well, in the chest, in the chest,
1: in the mm-hmm. chest, whatever. But Harley Quinn again. She's indisposable, getting back to kind of where I started on this yeah, tirade. Yeah. You're not going to kill her. So we kind of knew she was safe the entire time while we were seeing all that. And I've seen, again, a minor complaint because I complained about in the comics for so long because, you know, she's been such a raging member of the team. It would basically be called like Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad, the book. That's like how it's sold. So yeah, they yeah. never killed her. And it kind well, of ruined marketed Birds of
2: prey that she's never been a, a
0: Exactly. Well, to be fair, that movie was just her story. No other people were just
1: there and actually oh, interesting enough like oh. that movie was going to be directed by david ayer at one point and be called the gotham city sirens and was oh, like yeah. officially announced and like the dceu like has changed its game plan so many fucking times before now where well, now they're just the like, name of
2: that fucking movie after it was theatrically released yeah, yeah, yeah. Birds, of to birds of prey and the emancipation of harley Clibble. it was like fucking a paragraph.
1: Can any of us, without looking at the internet or notes right now, actually say the title of what that movie actually?
2: No, is? No, I just
0: know Emancipation Harley. <laughs> Quinn.
1: I thought it was like the glorious Emancipation or something like that. Or, uh, of the one too fabulous Harley Quinn, something like that. Yeah, good movie though. And we've had. Uh, I agree. Girls. Or disagree. Yeah. I, I, I
2: sleep, like
1: that movie. I went to
2: sleep to it last night. you know when i finally fell asleep so i didn't get too far into it yes Uh, we're going down another rabbit hole but no it's not
1: because let's let's use this to talk about margot roby harley quinn we've talked about cena we talked about idris alba so let's talk about harley quinn and go down these rabbit holes
2: mine was just a a little you know my my contribution is really you know little trivias and that's Mm -hmm. that uh uh ewan mcgregor's black mask was actually written in the script for penguin okay and uh, I think uh, WB kiboshed that because they, you know, I don't know if it was because he was going to be used in the Batman with Matt Reeves or, or yeah. what, but uh, they. Like,
1: a, like let's not blow our wad on the Penguin yet because that's a viable um, IP in itself, kinda. kind
2: of. Kind yeah. of, but then that also feels like, so you just use, oh, uh, I wish, because uh, I think Black Mask is also, uh, it's not quite like top tier in his rogues, but like. I, he was you know, a Gotham City villain. He just felt generic in, in, in that. Yeah. In like, that
1: movie, he felt generic to you, well, where Ewan McGregor been, like, was playing Gay Zaddy <laughs> Black Mask? That was crazy.
2: That was crazy. I mean, like, he was just being another, like, you know flamboyant like even like kind of like doing what jared Leto was doing and
1: in, in but we time. got a grown man child who's living off of his parents money telling people not to play with his stuff and everything is just a thing to him and everything it's it was and again this is the era of trump so you can look at that i'll give and you this like, i only saw it
2: the once and then when i went
1: to sleep, so. it's really weird and like zaz is kind of like his I, top
2: and I I was also a little upset that they also kinda like used use as as like as they tend to do. You know, yeah in, yeah in in uh Nolan's stuff he was also used that way. And uh
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know I guess the show Gotham kinda like had some fun with him. Yeah, um, yeah, he was good in that. Uh,
0: I mean everything like Gotham, I wound up enjoying it for the most. Well, like me
2: too he would, he's like a he has such a cool concept as a character with the whole slash marks and everything like yeah
0: that. yeah
2: He'd kind of be thrown away in that one off way. in in mm-hmm. birds of prey which i don't even know if a lot of people actually saw that or even know it exists except for margot robbie like it, it was even though it was before COVID and it had a theatrical release and everything it just still seemed like it was under the radar yeah, maybe right. because it was rated r i don't know
1: it came out as covid happened i saw like a quadruple feature that day of bad boys for life um bloodshot with my boy Vinny diesel oh damn it destro (laughs) what was his name um i saw birds of prey and the invisible man it was four movies i saw in one day because i knew yourself Yes, I knew what was going to happen, and I would pop into – shout out to – androids amazing comics in Saville, new york and the guys at the androids amazing podcast um my local comic book store and they're nice enough to have me talk about the mcu on their show but the movie theater is right next to my comic book store and i went into the comic book store that morning i was like i'm gonna see four movies today i'm gonna go get pizza and i'm gonna come back and i'll bullshit with you guys because i have nothing to do and i'm gonna mm-hmm. be here all day because i knew covid was about to strike you know what i mean yeah. and um I was happy with that movie particularly, maybe because I was coming off of seeing Bad Boys for Life and Bloodshot, but I was like, oh, this is a good movie, and, and it like changed my mood a little bit, and I was like in a good mood. Where um, was your
2: headspace at by the time you got to Invisible Man? That's a great all over movie.
1: the place. All over the place. And Kobe Bryant died that day in the middle of all this,
2: <sighs> and,
1: and I was getting texts about it all day.
3: Oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: For me, Birds of prey. I, I didn't dig it, I didn't even realize it was rated R until Kira mentioned it as well, and like there's some, the set piece at the end with the trampolines and stuff, that sounds great on paper, but the execution of it just was not very good, and uh, costume design, uh, I, I wasn't a fan, none of that probably didn't work for me. Uh, I mean, Even
1: like the Huntress and,
0: oh, and some wait, of the oh, I'll of give characters? you a
1: Huntress. I'll give you a Huntress.
0: And let's uh,
2: not forget okay. that, like Birds of Prey, had a WB show where Harley Quinn was actually. It's the, better than that. At the the least. dad <laughs> of, of, of the first season. Like was
1: she was built that? up. She was built up as Harley Quinzel. She was never Harley Quinn on that show. She was just the psychiatrist at the place where they were locking everybody up. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't. She that was her kind of her first. Uh, live action adaptation was in was in the birds of prey the short-lived wb series birds of prey when they were trying to make spinoffs of smallville they had like a backdoor aquaman pilot well,
2: too. She also has a voice cameo in the arrowverse because arrow oh, yeah, had, yeah, yeah. Uh, had suicide squad in it uh quite a bit and i think she yeah, yeah they had to write them out
0: him and- because of the movie
2: yeah, and she's like off camera in a jail cell in her, you know, very recognizable, you know, Betty Boop, you know, New York accent.
0: Yes. But, uh, I was going to say, you asked what we thought about um, Margot Robbie as this character. Yeah. I want to love her as the character. I don't fully, like, hmm. she has I uh, she just hasn't fully connected with me on that level yet. Uh, maybe she will.
1: I- I, I kind of, uh, I that's what I mean, and and she more than any actor to, um, cinematic kind of rendition of that comic book character to date, other than Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, mm-hmm. feels like she is going to be our Harley Quinn through some good movies and some bad movies, but she yeah. will kind of be this definitive Harley Quinn in the sense that Wolverine was this definitive X Men where he fucking played him and not just like one or two, like Richard Donner or uh, like, like Christopher Reeves or, or um, yeah, Michael Keaton or Bale.
0: Around, I don't know like how long she's contracted for or whatever, but yeah, you know, I mean, she's had some bumps along the way here. Uh, yeah. And
2: you know, she, they, you know, they decided to make this birds of prey movie, like her arc of like, you know, getting over the Joker, but like, where has her character like really like come and gone to where she's Change much of anything you know she's still doing these same acrobatics when she escaped like she's she just maybe she's not as conflicted as she was in the first suicide squad which mm-hmm. which one of the highlights of that movie is you do get to see her intentionally slip out of her while she is Harley Quinn. she reverts to harley Harlene Quinzel when she's remembering how Joker dipped her in the chemicals. And Dead shot kind of sneaks up. Or they're in the stairwell, and she pulls her gun on her. Yeah. yeah. He's like, "Have you ever loved someone?" Says, "You know, you don't." And, but
3: we
1: also we also got her her biggest fantasy that she could ever imagine is being a housewife cooking for Jerry Leto. and, and as, we also as, got med male gaze, neck beard jerk off Google image Margot Roby's butt pictures. Uh, to, to Google image and a lot of weird objectification in the suicide squad. And then we got a movie that was purposely made as anti that. And then we get her fitting, feeling natural in a really good movie.
2: My, yeah. my, my point was though, it seemed like she was able to have some range in that. Cause she, when she pulls the gun on dead shot and she says, you know, typical sociopath, she does it intentionally without that harley quinn accent and now yeah. she's just always harley quinn and like with that accent and says like uh when she get do right you think
0: the they guy. do you think they made her too dumb i guess she is a has a degree in everything but she's very guilty yeah. at times yeah.
2: There. yeah and doesn't seem to in that movie in the first one she at least reverted you could tell that she was it was almost like a mask or or you know a defense mechanism to act the way she was where in this one it just seems like that's her personality like i remember in the one eye roll moment in the trailer for this movie you know i, I was like this one's great, is the part with the rain and she talks about i love the rain it's oh like, yeah i was like <laughs> this? okay
1: that's what Harley yeah. Quinn is. And you have, like, the hottest and pres- and a prestige actress in Hollywood saying, I have rain sp- god splooge on me. Like
2: She is amazing. She, angel yeah, is amazing. Uh, <laughs> come she, on. Like, I love Margot <laughs> Robbie. I'm just yeah. saying, like, um, I don't know where Harley Quinn as a character can go, because if she goes anywhere, she's not going to be what everybody loves about her. But, um.
1: So keep giving us what we love about her, crazy <laughs> Harley Quinn. I, I think
2: it's crazy that we actually had gotten so far in the podcast before even really thinking about mentioning her, because, we mm-hmm. because there's a lot of other great stuff in this. So
3: yeah, mm-hmm. I have
1: I have her notes segmented, so we would get Margot Robbie would get her spotlight <laughs> right we
2: here. Like that she's <laughs> uh, as we so show naturally that she's not. It, this movie isn't built around Margot Robbie.
1: This no. And she she takes a huge she she is a huge presence as a supporting character and doesn't overpower it either. Mm -hmm. And and you you were mentioning her credit in the first Suicide Squad, where I was kind of dismissing that movie sucks. And but she was I mean, you put lipstick on a pig, you're going to get a pretty pig. You can polish a turd. You're still got a turd like she is not the bad part of that movie. And if that movie did anything, it gave us her casting, and she's really good and she's here to stick around and, you know, X-Men Origins kind of sucked. You know, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, Hugh Jackman was good as Wolverine in a bunch of really bad X-Men movies. You know (laughs) what I mean? And the highlight was, hey, at least Wolverine's here doing Wolverine stuff and, like, you know, at least Harley Quinn's around.
2: What also Mm -hmm. made this enjoyable, like, if it's going to say that the first Suicide Squad exists in this, like, they hated Rick Flack. You know, like, yeah, they even saved his life only because they'd be killed. And he says thanks to her. And she says, shut, you know, shut up. And like Mm -hmm. in this, like, she's so genuinely moved to be saved by him. And again, like I paid closer attention to this, like she she's embracing him and he's kind of awkward about it. And you know how when someone embraces you and you want to console them and you rub them, he's doing it with his fucking gun.
1: When you're trying to be a coworker and they're trying to be a friend.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's, he's doing, he's consoling her and rubbing his fucking pistol on her. Yeah. But then what I loved, uh, I'll just let me get this one last thing out. No. Is that rain montage when they're walking up, like, you know, the money shot of the suicide squad and she's eating an apple and it's slow mo you know, Zack Snyder bullshit swim up. but she's eating yep. bowl and she's smiling and she looks over at Rick Flag and Rick Flagg looks at her and smiles like mm-hmm. I was just, that got me in the feels too yeah, yes.
1: from the first time Harley Quinn is introduced when she's getting on the plane during the first squad mission when Rick Flagg says hey Harley what's up and she says what's up Flag?" you could tell that there is some sort of camaraderie to them yeah. and it was a huge difference from, let's talk about Joel Kinnerman now. Joel Kinnerman in the first movie is a block of wood, but he's a very good actor. You know, mm-hmm. he's on that, uh, the American remake of The Killing, which I really like. He's an Ultra Carbon, which I really like. Yeah, I'm yeah. rooting sure, sure, for right? Joel Kinnerman, despite him being in the RoboCop remake and uh, then making a bad remake of my beloved Robert Cop, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, a amazing Science fiction yeah, action. Because, well, movie.
2: I, if, we, if we are going to be talking about him and I'll let you get to it, which is, yeah,
1: ended up being
2: the most upsetting part of the movie for me. But go he on. He
1: does, yeah. And honestly, because this film took an actor that, you know, we all recognize as a good actor, who, you know, if you don't like the first Suicide Squad movie, no matter what, you're probably like kind of familiar with Joel Kinderman, No, he's. Capable of something good, and if you liked the first Suicide Squad movie, which is something I think this movie does, it does acknowledge it's not a reboot. It acknowledges that the shitty David Ayer Suicide Squad exists lovingly, and almost kind of elevates it in some ways because of characters like Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flag, where by the end of this movie you are rooting for this guy. He has developed a personality. He still feels like the character from the first one, but he's done right, and that camaraderie between him and Harley. And him and the rest of the team by the end of this and him helping out the Costa Maltesian renegade army of the people to take it back. You know, he's a good man. And we've talked about stakes a lot. Let's talk about how Rick Flag dies in this movie and he is a main title card character. So that's as high as the stakes kind of can get. Um in terms of, you know, ca- um, cannon fodder for, mm-hmm. for a cast of a major blockbuster. You know what I mean?
2: Travis, you to start with that one?
1: <laughs> Me too.
0: I It was a surprise. Uh, he is, uh, I don't want to say a bigger character, but he's he was in the first one, and he's carried over here, and he's done a lot better in this one. So it's, it was disappointing somewhat to see him die, but then again, unfortunately, um, kind of fine with these characters telling because and really i, I do think there's a little bit too much time in between the first mass kill off and the next death like i, I kind of expected sure. Ratcatcher catcher to get it whenever she goes to shake king shark's hand but <laughs> oh, yeah uh, there's yeah.
1: a um there's a king shark like there's a bunch of king shark fake outs too yeah where like yeah. you kind of oh, don't yeah. know if king shark has died and or if finally, harley has
2: there's that last moment his last one where he's thrown into a building
3: Yes, I collapses,
2: and I'm like, I know he's fucking fine now. Like, like I, you guys <laughs> scared me because I was terrified of him dying, especially with yes. uh, with the alien fish. So I was like, yeah, oh the, yes.
1: no. So, so, King Shark in the comics, his origin. He was a, he's an Aquaman villain, obviously. He later becomes like almost part of the Batman's Rogue Gallery. Now he's on the Harley Quinn TV show, and he's kind of more popularized there, but. So like his origin was always left kind of ambiguous, but then he was recently confirmed to be the son of an actual shark God. And that's like official Canon. So, um, you know, they kind of tease that here. And the only thing that seems capable of like penetrating his skin at all are his little, um, you know, like how powerful is this guy? He feels like the Hulk. Like nothing hurts him the entire time except yes, for those little alien squillbilly uh, fish in the aquarium.
0: <laughs> it, very, uh, it was very Hulkish. And speaking of the little squid things, uh, I have in my notes that I like that even though this is a gory movie with a lot of with some body horror and stuff like that, and it's darker, it isn't afraid to have some color in it like the no. squid things it's gonna you know, do this type of movie and still have it be nice to look at uh, and I mean it, not just this scene but also like the uh we kind of skipped over the Harley Quinn scene where she's shooting her way out and the flowers are exploding behind her and the the yeah. birds and all that and
1: mm-hmm. and, and Margot Roby's uh, wiki feet score went way way up and was oh. already really high where she gets out of that torture scene where the the the, the spanish guard is texting yes, <laughs> and she she yes. tortures them with her feet and we get those close-ups oh god <laughs> not weird or anything i'm yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. no i'm so sorry yeah. to, no i'm apologizing to anybody who's listening
0: <laughs> uh, uh but yes yes and that scene uh with the flowers and the, the blood sprays that were like cartoonish it made me think of uh a japanese movie called uh why don't you play in hell where there's Artilleryal sprays that are just like colorful ribbons that shoot out at one point, and
2: yeah, just fun. Travis, I wanted to, I uh, sorry, I wanted to, because I went to the bathroom with my earbuds in so I could hear you, but I can't communicate. And when you started talking <laughs> about, when you started talking about the colors, like I wanted to start screaming from the bathroom because uh, yeah, with the fish specifically, and like the choice of gun to put those like CGI flowers and birds. Yes, yes. Uh, was uh, I (laughs) like and birds,
1: James Gunn, because we know
2: you hate fucking birds (laughs)
1: now, James Gunn. Well,
2: before we get up to birds, birds, real quick, one last chance
0: for me to bring it up like the birds they kill are all caged and they're prisoners cage birds so it's
1: even the cage bird sings once in a while travis i've heard
0: yes yes harley does literally while she's chained up
1: uh yes she sings uh louis prima's just the gigolo ain't got nobody made that, famous uh, by david lee roth right and,
2: and then they play it during that like violin uh, escape scene, which...
1: mm-hmm. the 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 flowers and the gore and the good camera work during that scene and it erupting from this uber violent schlock to this surrealist cartoonish thing again very much in kin to harley quinn her character she's probably gleefully doing this just flowers and rainbows at this point in fucking harley Mm -hmm. quinn's mind because she's she's a literal fucking psychopath you know what i mean and i thought that worked really well as a kind of this is probably harley's twisted POV because she's so twisted. Yeah, yeah. You know? When I
0: saw that shot in the trailer, I wondered if there was going to be an actual real reason for the flowers to be popping up behind her. or It didn't need it, I guess. <laughs> uh,
1: and um, she gets the javelin's javelin back in this sequence too, and mm-hmm. she's very excited about that because she's trying oh, to yeah. find purpose for it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, yes. I, I feel like for some reason I didn't uh, add, like, because you you guys, you talked about Rick Flagg's death. Like, yeah. Um, that one, that was, that was my least favorite part of the movie, like, or at least that was my most, where I was most upset. Like, cause yeah. I, I finally, I felt like they brought, and I kind of dre- addressed this earlier. Like they brought his character back to, you know, more likable and a little bit more, I guess, accurate from the comics. than he, what he They made Rick
1: Flagg Flag. an actual character.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Obviously, the whole point was that no one is safe, and we knew Harley Quinn uh, was going to be all right, and incidentally, kind of maybe John Cena's peacemaker as well because of the series. But like, I thought mm-hmm. if anyone besides Harley Quinn was going to be okay, even above Bloodsport, I thought Rick Flag would still be okay because he's the leader of the Suicide Squad. Sure. Uh, so he's, really, he's the
1: consistent through line throughout the comic books and especially the John Ostrander run that this movie's so based on where every issue is like Rick Flag and the Suicide Squad. It's almost like Nick Fury and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like he's sure, the G.I. Joe.
2: And I'm sure that's why Gunn did it. Sure. Like he knew he couldn't kill Harley. Like it, that was not an option. So like, who else at this point in the end, where there's some stakes, can he kill that will have an emotional effect on the audience? So it pretty much had to be Rick Flagg, and it got me. And like, and I also felt felt like the post credit scene sandbags you a little bit because it, the doctor's discussing his heart was still beating, and and it showed that cool CGI shot of his heart being pierced. So I'm like, oh, is Rick yeah. still alive? And now it's.
1: And I think that was (laughs) awesome. The um, final line that Rick Flagg has to Peacemaker as Mm -hmm. he gets stabbed through the chest with a rusty tile. And we get that POV into the heart where he's being stabbed. He says, uh, Peacemaker, what a joke. And seeing how Peacemaker is, you know, the origin and, and kind of source material for Alan Moore is the comedian from The Watchmen. To uh, Watchmen, splain this entire thing. The intro of the watchman is famous, where the comedian says, "Like, what a joke! What a joke!" And that's the thing. So it's kind of the call back to you know yeah. Peacemaker. What thank a joke,
2: you for you know? thank you for actually mansplaining that. <laughs> I, I'm going to say mansplain. Um, I like that too. <laughs> I, did, I I I had no idea about that connection. Like that, he was an expert. You know, you basically the
3: comedian. Yeah. So yeah,
2: that was yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yep. And uh, DC convinced Alan Moore to change it to original characters because they're like, we just acquired these characters, and you're gonna like <laughs> give them a giant blue penis and then kill off the Peacemaker in the first issue. You know what I mean? And I think the original title for the Watchmen during like the first draft with the Charleston characters was um, "Who Killed the Peacemaker" or something along those lines, because you know the the framing for the whole narrative of that story is the death of the comedian. You know, at the, exactly. at the end of the day, it's a. Det- story okay. with all these things happening around it. That's the real pulpy comic book, you know, off, surface level shit.
2: Off topic, obviously everyone always makes the connection of the character of Night Owl. They always think Bruce Wayne and Batman because they do mm-hmm. seem very aesthetically similar and sort mm-hmm. of like the powers or lack of power. Yeah, he's a gadgety
1: rich guy. So
2: was, well, he, the Night Owl isn't rich in, in watching He's kind of actually... a
1: he has money from like an inheritance of. But he doesn't stuff. live in a mansion.
2: He got, he lives in like a fucking shitty apartment.
1: He doesn't. He's got the owl cave. I know and he that, had all...
2: but I'm saying on the uh, like on the surface, he used he his. Uh, be...
1: He used. He's a little more mild manner. He's he not like a he, billionaire. Like but... yeah,
2: he's not living in a fucking mansion, coming out of caves. Like like I'm saying like yes, he does mm-hmm. have money, but like that's not how he like he's not a fighter yeah. or anything like that. But and, was was Blue Beetle? Uh, like a comparable to Batman type character.
1: He's he's like a gadgety. He's a gadgety character who was actually the second. So there were two Blue Beetles, and the original one was like a Golden Age Blue Beetle, and he like got his power from like an like an Egyptian orb thing. Very much like the Watchman
2: had. Yes. Yes
1: had the two night owls and you know he was part eventually when charleston bought him out he was retconned into like the jsa and uh some people know him from um um the final frontier not the final frontier new frontier the uh darwin cook um book um but there you know there was a second blue beetle when charleston tried to kind of revamp itself in the silver age and um he was like based off of the other blue beetle and given the blue beetles like you know funky gadgets and 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 whole stick and costume and the whole stick so um you know, the, to make him an impotent guy who can only get it up when wearing a superhero costume because he's constantly thinking about how his parents would be disappointed that they used his inheritance to build a uh, owl mobile <laughs> was like, no, like, you're not doing this. He, the, I, I, the, um, I, know, I know you hate Frank
2: Miller, but I keep forgetting if you hate Alan Moore,
1: too. Oh, no, I think he's a fucking freak. You know, <laughs> he's a dirty freak. <laughs> um. He's he's a dirty freak, and uh, he's he's like the anti Frank Miller in a lot of ways. Where yeah, he takes so, isn't he like
2: just such a fucking douche? Like you know, he, yeah, hates, he, hates, he hates all of his adaptations.
1: Well, he he seen takes seen himself so seriously, yeah, yeah. dude, and he's a yeah. wizard. So it's <laughs> and he lives in a
0: hole in
3: the ground.
2: Yeah, he's <laughs> like I mean, he besides, the writing though. Besides that yes. one like necessary change that they did with like you know, uh plan like. It was like a page for page. Of In the of film? Of his movie. Visually. And he hates it. I guess because he, he considers his, his graphic novel <laughs> unfilmable.
1: Well, Watchmen is a story that's a comic book about comic books for people who know the history of comic books. Like, it's intricately wound to be only made for this medium, about this medium. And the movie and it's also making fun of that medium and it was the kind of the first thing that exposed that medium to you know because the big thing was like let's let's make superheroes in the real world like the frank miller shit and the daredevil shit and and batman stuff like with the dark knight returns and then you know alan moore is like this left-wing kind of commie where frank miller was this like kind of fascist right-wing guy where he's like yeah, where he's like, if if fucking Batman was in the real world, he'd be so cool. And then Frank Miller, uh, Alan Moore is like, no, if superheroes were in the real world, they would be fascist assholes. You know what I mean? Where the Schneider movies, like, aren't these guys cool looking? And it's like, that's the opposite. You're supposed to think how horrible this all is. You know, you're not supposed to root for any of this. And you're supposed to laugh at it. You know what I mean? And that movie really does kind of like almost fetishize the action and the muscles yeah. and the suits. And, Especially and the through the
2: lens of Zack Snyder's Snyder. Sp- yeah. Yes.
1: So
2: yeah, and, it's pretentious, but I can definitely see why he had a lot of. Uh, well, he fun has fun.
0: a, yeah, I imagine he has uh, sour feelings about watching in general. Didn't they walk him on the rights there where he was supposed to. He did. He get the rights back after it goes out of print and then. It never went out of
1: print. So <laughs> And then and then DC's like, but Alan Moore, let's make a peace treaty. We promise to never use your Watchmen characters ever. They'll always <laughs> just be the Watchmen. And then the new fifty-two <laughs> happens and Dan DeDio happens and they're like, Listen, Alan Moore, we know we told you that, and we know we made the movie, but we're only gonna do this one thing and it's a prequel, so it's not gonna affect you don't worry about it uh, yeah and then they said no 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 the new 52 is not selling enough what if what if we got jeff johns because he's in charge and he's making this decision to make the watchman not only part of the dcu but the DCU itself and what if Dr. Manhattan was the foundation for why the DCU even exists the way it does. And we brought everything back to normal and we used Dr. Manhattan as the fucking through line. And then they started doing it and it was the event of the century. It was Doomsday Clock and it was going to change everything. And you don't like the new 52? Don't worry, it's coming back and we're using the Watchmen to do it. Don't worry. And Alan like, what?
2: What? Why are you doing it? <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the HBO series yet. <laughs>
1: No, no, no. And then Jeff Johns and all those allegations like come out. So DC is trying to separate themselves. So rebirth, which was coming out of doomsday clock starts, but doomsday clock has not been finished yet. Only two issues of doomsday clock have come out, but the relaunch has started and we don't know why it exists this way for like a whole year. And then they kind of try to wean you away from it, like existing, but it, it,
2: <laughs> it's,
1: such, it's so, and now there's the TV show, which I loved, you know, I, I love. I have HBO Max movie. and I still have no excuse
2: for not having
1: watched it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me, let me
2: ask you this because we brought
1: up fansplaining. Is there a Rorschach ongoing series happening right now by DC's biggest writer? Yes, there is. <laughs> and enough. it comes in an oversized, um, you know, printing so it doesn't fit in any of my boxes so i can't even read it and then just complain about reading it. i have to read it complain about reading it and then complain about how i can't store it
3: properly
2: <laughs> so we're down a hole now but uh <laughs> like one of the things i i see a lot of fans planning go on in comments mostly happens with like how what's going on in the mcu but with this is uh, i'm seeing a lot of fans planning saying doesn't matter what happens because flashpoint is going to erase everything multiverse stuff like like with loki and and blah, 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 blah. do you think that's what's going on with this flash movie is to like try to uh, do a sneaky plot device of erasing the mistakes of the dc la these a future past in the fox x-men or you
1: know, the well books,
2: whatever happens.
1: I, I i I will tell you from Warner Brothers and DC's editorial ethos in the comics post New 52 and and Doomsday Clock and Rebirth, which I just kind of rambled about, is one of the things that happened when Rebirth launched and Doomsday Clock had not finished was we got a Golden Age Superman book. And it was like the Superman that we all liked or like a post-crisis Superman book. And it's like, wait, why does this, where does this take place in continuity? And they're like, don't worry about it. It takes place in the continuity that you like. And we're like, oh, which one is that? And they're like, which one do you think it is? And they're like, well, I used to read Superman when I was a kid. So I liked, you know, the, the, the post-crisis superman they're like that's the one that it is and it's just it takes place there and it's like the whole fabric of the multiverse thing that dc and new 52 and flashpoint and all that and the jeff johns era of editorial where it was just like every couple years there's a new crisis and this explains away everything now they're really fast and loose with just like which one do you think oh it's that one you like that one we'll write it taking place in there so all of your stories matter and nothing that you can complain about you know continuity wise it doesn't matter. You, you can't complain about it because it's what you like, and it, and it, it takes place exactly this there. Is why I don't
2: um, like the whole multiverse MCU stuff. Go on.
1: But I kind of see the films doing something similar, where it's like, hey, I know you're sad about you know the Batfleck thing, and and your Schneider bro guys, and but you got the Schneider cut, and then this this Flash movie exists, so it's like, hey,
2: it can With kind of bring fucking Keaton back, which. Sure. I think it's great. That I think is Sure. Uh, sure. Why not? Also, because uh, I'm kind of like I'm thinking they're trying to backdoor themselves into Batman Beyond and bringing <laughs> Keaton back into the mix, but like
1: sounds good. So much
2: cool stuff on <laughs> Flashpoint that could be addressed is not going to be in the first Flash. Like I don't know. I don't know what to expect from. Him, but like I I love the whole like you know bruce is the ones that's killed and jonathan becomes batman and martha becomes joker that's surely not gonna get a oh
1: movie. like the actual flashpoint events like yeah. in the comics with with thomas wayne and all that mm-hmm. yeah maybe they'll they'll do something along those lines but i kind of see this whole flashpoint title kind of just being more less of an adaptation of the actual flashpoint event and more of. It's, it's more like DCEU just saying, hey, we're doing what D.C. does, which is a crisis where they, you know, do some big cosmic time travel stuff that, you know, kind of fucks with continuity, but makes things work in a weird way and erases your complaints about other things. And <laughs> D.C.'s I, done that forever. Like and reason, it's something I, I
3: love.
2: The only reason I brought this up is you, you brought up the Dr. Manhattan thing. And, sure. And yeah. have completely gotten off topic from so actually the suicide.
1: No, Peacemaker. He's based off comedians, based off them. <laughs> I know.
2: I mean, it's all, it's all just bobbing and
0: weaving. Oh, yeah. Didn't guys like the scene uh, where Peacemaker runs by and just hatches that guy that's sleeping in a sleeping bag? Yeah. Very him? much. It was, yeah, that well, all, that, I all that, that
2: scene was great. Yeah, that's yeah. Just that and then, like, the
0: realization that those were the good guys they had been murdering. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: before we even get to that, like, obviously, like, it's just a pissing contest between Peacemaker and Bloodsport. And, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, you know, and no, I like really the I like the acting. Like, you know, when he does it behind his back, and he's like non-lethal, Me? and he's like exploding bullets, and even like Bloodsport admits, like, yeah, that is goddamn really cool. He <laughs> says,
1: "Um, he's like, now you're just showing off," and he's like, "That doesn't count. You're showing off," and he's like, "Unless what you're showing off is dope as fuck." And Bloodsport's like, "God damn it, he's right." Yeah, <laughs>
2: you know? right, so that it's was from Bulls. I also wow. like, like you know, it, the kills get creative, where he he snags the fan until you know tips mm-hmm. it over into the bathtub, and then yeah, when like, yeah. you go and see Flag drinking tea, and she's like, "Where? Why haven't my men alerted me?" And they're like, "Did you? We didn't see any man." <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just like pure gold. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, loved it. And loved the violence,
3: the
1: violence is schlocky and set PC and thought out and i complain about a lot of mcu violence like when we did our black widow episode um and action bits in the mcu when we when we were doing that we talked about how a lot of the mcu action bits seem like they were done in previs a bunch of years before and that's where the mcu movies kind of like stray from the director's actual vision yeah like the 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 action bits in black panther don't feel like ryan coogler directed those you know what i mean
0: Mm -hmm. well that's because they literally were done in three of those years before like i I didn't realize just how like Far ahead, they had been doing the stuff for Infinity War and Endgame, but yeah, it's like years.
1: But they did clever stuff with Infinity War and Endgame because they kind of made Joe Russo and Anthony Russo's like directorial style, the quote unquote house style of the MCU. So that stuff had been conceptualized like, you know, almost like a decade beforehand. Like when they,
2: you know, obviously Winter Soldier, arguably the best MCU movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure. Uh, like when i saw that and loved it i'm like and then i knew that they were coming on to you know not only do civil war but also direct the final two combined i'm like i'm having trouble seeing the tone that they captured so well in winter soldier Mm -hmm, uh -hmm. to do this infinity war saga like or even like a
1: cosmic galloping giant epic thing you know where we're in
2: that same world
1: Yeah, Winter Soldier feels so, like, of this world and grounded, the action. You know, it was such a surprising thing. Yeah, yeah. It looked like an Arkham video game where people were just getting thrown around and the cameras weren't cutting. But I feel like once they got that and they signed the Russo brothers up and the Russo brothers were like, dude, we'll be your lackeys. If you let us make a movie that looks like this. And they start, that's when they kind of started pre-visiting like any possible fight scenario that you can imagine with any character, some guy on a computer somewhere started typing up the code to get that. You you mentioned
2: Ryan Coogler with black Panther. Like that was the worst part of that movie was uh, the final fight between black panther and Killmonger in in the minds of, uh, uh, Wakanda, like it's just like yeah, a and 100%. the rhino
1: bits. It's, it's,
0: it's,
2: I like the rhino. It was just, it was, well, it was, well, just the two of them fighting. Just, you
1: like the rhino, Travis? You yeah, like rhino? yeah. It, it's silly. <laughs> I mean,
2: it's I like never, the
1: Aquaman had,
2: stuff. It's silly. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I had that. a problem with the rhinos. I had a problem with like it was just mm-hmm. it, that was supposed to be a very emotional confrontation between Killmonger, and yeah, and Nakia, yeah. and it's just two CGI fucking video game. People you like, not even great CGI, realistic looking atmosphere yeah yeah yeah,
1: whatever kind of like to to kind of tie it back like with black widow being kind of fresh in our minds the scenes of black widow and her family at the dinner table where they're kind of bickering Mm -hmm. and they have those moments they don't really feel as much at peace with the action bits at the end with the red room and the whole fucking sky falling stuff. You know, it feels like those were made by two separate directors. While Crazy. in in Suicide Squad, we we get the scene where the Ratcatcher two and Joel Kinnerman are walking with Doctor Who as the Thinker through this hive mind, starfish body horror, fucked up, nasty, mm-hmm. gross,
2: like lot, human experimentation really cool stuff going on in that scene. Yeah
1: crazy, crazy gross set piece that feels very much like James Gunn's vibe. And then those action scenes that we were just talking about, like the, you know, Cena and Bloodshot, Blood Sport showing off, um, they feel like they were they were made by the same director. This whole thing was made by the same director. You know, it came from the same mind. Uh which was different and nice. <laughs> yeah, <'cause
2: laughs> less like the author and Marvel making their movie but still Going in that you know they obviously have a a, a place that they a can quote
1: in a meet or something yeah, like an like editorial this, production thing
2: to meet. they off the chain, and when they promised them that they wouldn't stop them, they really did it. You know, if anything, mm-hmm. maybe you know they the only rule they probably gave them was you can't kill her.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, while we're talking about the fight scenes and stuff like that, I, I don't want to mention the the helmet reflection fight uh, since yeah. we already talked about it, the fight to death really yep. well done i didn't know i thought maybe they'd do the entire thing <laughs> just about like that, except for like the very end and yeah longer than
3: i expected Jen. yeah i'm uh, glad
2: you, oh, you brought done. that up travis because i remember seeing them. like what a what a cool you know unique different way to show like this fight
0: the yeah 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 i am i'm just to know the behind the scenes stuff and how much of a pain in the ass it was to like cgi out the camera with the the mirror distortion and all that. Well, I know they
2: filmed a lot with the red camera, like a lot of the shooting oh, okay. shots and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that probably, obviously, wasn't filmed with that. But
1: no, I th- I thought a lot of this movie was shot on actual film stock because I follow the um, <laughs> I followed the uh, Technicolor or whatever um, you know page because I was kind of bragging about how fast nine was filmed on two different grades film stock for the uh the flashback bits and and the real bits and i was joking as i was watching it and i was like can you notice how this is a little grainier than that and they're like can you notice how you put filters on your music to make it sound like it was recorded on tape it's a fucking digital camera and i was like no no i swear to god (laughs) um and then i found out like it was by going down this internet rabbit hole and a lot of this movie was shot on on actual fucking film and that's Um, and a lot of this Dude, a lot of this movie was actual light hitting an object that was shaped like a starfish or shaped like, um, probably, Mm -hmm. yeah, the practical effects, like the explosions look like explosions. Uh, some of the bloods and the squibs, I have a, I like Uber violence. Like I like the, um, the Rambo, uh, fourth Rambo movie with the fucking crazy CGI blood and the ex- first two expendable movies with that CGI blood. I like how that looks, but the, the actual blood has like a, like, like corn syrup blood it has yeah. a very distinct like, look. You and, see a lot of
2: that in when Harley's split throats in the, uh, in that escape scene too.
1: Yeah. Is, yeah. You especially see a lot when the thinker brings Ratcatcher 2 and Rick Flagg and. Um, I think it might just be them, but they go into you know the Starro lab, and we're kind of introduced to Starro, uh, mm-hmm. which obviously is a big CGI thing. But the bodies and where we're getting the exposition dump that it wasn't, um, they weren't really sent there on a mission to stop Starro. <laughs> they were sent here on a mission to stop the world from finding out that the U.S. government yes. has been voluntarily funding these experiments the all, on people. All. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Of,
2: actually, like they were doing the actual experiment. Yeah.
1: yeah, they didn't I, uh, want to get their hands bloody, so mm-hmm. they did it on foreign soil. Kinda, yeah, this stretched
2: you know. out as far as
0: U.S. history is, but <laughs> yeah, uh, like the, Project uh,
1: Paperclip gone terribly wrong. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I dug the introduction, over like the uh the camcorder recording and the astronauts and all that. But yeah, great. Really, I just the body horror and the scene with the the corpses and the, especially the one that. Uh, where they show the uh the starfish detached from the face and you see yeah, you see that and like and there's one awesome. dude,
2: there's Travis, there's one dude that's he doesn't have a lower body, like he, he's, yes, he yes. and it's
0: still like kind of kicking around a little
2: bit,
1: like mm-hmm.
2: it's like whoa, this is the same yeah. movie as fucking Shazam,
1: yes, <laughs> this is all in the same franchise <laughs> as the movie where Dolph Lundgren rode the Seahorse. <laughs>
2: Also, yeah.
0: they kind of beat Marvel to the punch as far as having a main villain that's a giant
2: monster.
3: Uh, mm-hmm. I and mean, like, it,
2: ah, it's nice for them. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the, the, like when I saw, it, they, they should not have revealed what they did in the trailer with Starro. Yeah, um, but I was still like, wow! Like they're gonna actually—that's how I knew. Like, okay, this movie is full tilt. Like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then obviously that great title core card, the Suicide Squad verse. Starro
1: Star the Conqueror. Yeah, mm-hmm. very uh Scott Pilgrim versus the world kind of feeling. It's
2: not only a giant starfish, it's hot pink and neon blue. Like Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like something we talked about earlier where you can do this absurd. wild stuff and but
0: still have to be colorful and fun. Yeah, uh,
2: and, and like the like when that couple on the balcony see it too, it's like they basically have that reaction, like what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm.
1: And Starro is a super long-time DC alien parasite hive mind thing. It's like the, right. yeah, the first
0: yeah. Justice League issue, right?
1: The first issue of a comic that featured the Justice League. It was uh, oh. Brave and the Bold. Yeah, it was a Brave oh, and the Bold oh, issue. Oh, it, was, it was Brave and the Bold presents the Justice League. And it was the first... Justice League proper appearance, where you know Starro the Conqueror comes down from the stars, ejects you know these hive mind daggers. That,
2: that's from the comic too. He actually does. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. yep. And and kind of thoughts the entire Justice League until Batman basically outsmarts it because Batman is so fucking awesome and so smart. He outthinks Starro and somehow solves everything. Uh, that, of, that
2: that's another thing of like very few nitpicks, uh, which was also in the first movie. So they tumble over in that van, in that great, you know, escape scene where, you know, the, where they give themselves up. And, you know, just the way it was filmed with John Cena reaching through the hole and everything like that. Uh, <laughs> but like they tumble over. And the like,
1: head gets blown off, dude. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs>
2: so, like, just like in the air fr- one, you know, where they waltz out of a helicopter crash. Like mm-hmm. perfectly fine. Like they tumble down in a van, mm-hmm. and I, I turned. It was, I was just like, "I bet they're fine." And yeah, uh, yeah, of course. so when Starro releases his armpit stars, like everybody is literally dead on the ground—a uh, zombie star or just the perfectly fine Suicide Squad. Stand. But they had masks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no, it's like the one time Bloodsport specifically was shown to lose his
3: helmet. But he oh. can
1: shoot anything.
2: Exactly. I, I do yeah, like the just then, saying that He's literally just swatting them away.
1: Yeah, goggles. <laughs> yeah. No,
2: I'm not, I'm not <laughs> complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, that's I the I mean,
0: it's a, it's a good thing that Redcatcher brought her mask. Uh, and
2: yeah, she would have
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I like her mask, but I was kind of okay with her not wearing it for most of the film. It's fine. Like, I like the actress. I don't know who she is or any of that,
2: but yeah, yeah, she's I can't good. pronounce her she's name. <laughs> good. And I like her little, her her little, you know, specific characterization is that she's just always falling asleep mm-hmm. and everything. Which, like, if you think about it, is deep rooted in like her depression and everything like that.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: She uh, has that line where she says, "I was having the most delightful dream in the middle of almost getting eaten by a giant shark god." Yeah. Uh, uh,
2: yeah. Like they introduced her as like. They introduced her as, like, a lazy millennial, which John Cena even says. Yes. And yeah. it's really because she has this traumatizing, you know, past and
1: everything like that. Starfish ripping Peter Capaldi in half was pretty cool.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That
1: was cool.
2: So he ripped him in half and then kind of, like, just he turned into mush against the window. Yeah,
0: whenever he hit the window, I thought it was going to be another, like, uh, chapter, uh, title well, score.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. But it's, just score it's fine <laughs> and then i also love uh so like you know obviously amanda waller is perfectly fine with starro rampaging on this south american island
3: mm-hmm. and
2: says, you guys are good to go and slug sport stops and turns around and then everybody's following him And i love viola davis losing her shit like you know yeah like, yeah you know she's fucking spitting, and then gets knocked out by you know the, the one of the IT people, and she just takes over and she's like, "Get on the fucking style <laughs> Like it was
3: great.
1: I liked all the office stuff with um, Steve Agee. Um, that's a character from the comics. That character, by I, the way, I've I heard one...
2: that they all were right.
1: Uh, so most of them were the 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 one girl who um. Actually Jennifer Holland plays her. Um, that's James Gunn's like uh woman. Basically, mm-hmm. they've they're like not married, but they've been together like kind of forever. She's coming back for the Peacemaker, so is Steve A. G. And Steve A. G did the um motion capture for King Shark on set, much like you know, how Sean Gunn does all the motion capture. I'm like
2: that Sean Gunn.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, it has the same eyes as him, Those like real bright blue eyes, but they're kind of like augmented, like kind of like balloons. Yeah,
0: we didn't mention it earlier, but he also did Calendar Man in the very yeah, we did, uh, yeah. yeah. and we didn't talk about the Crazy Quilt or
2: anything. But there Crazy Quilt mm-hmm. yeah. uh, actually that, that like, wasn't there was that. W- it's not supposed to be Crazy Quilt. Sequel Fighter.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> um that wasn't crazy quilt the female inmate with the colored tile skin i checked this out in oh, okay. the credits she's actually um credited as kaleidoscope a oh, um, a c-list uh superboy villain so um i thought it was crazy quilt too we were talking about that yeah, yeah. that's um, what everyone's
2: saying on the internet too. that's how i that's how i heard about it
1: yeah, but she does she does get a credit. Um I have the actress's name written down, but I can't pronounce it. Calendar Man <laughs> is a dope character though. Like, yeah, it's a joke and it's like one of those like Polkadot Man like kind of gimmicky kind of things. Like he's got the days uh, of the week. He's like obsessed yeah, with calendars. It's not
2: like like
0: Riddler or Yeah,
3: yeah. And
0: he's he's in the Arkham game. games. It's like in and... Easter egg, yeah, there are a few of those tied with him where if you play on yep. a certain day of the year, he has different dialogue and stuff like that.
1: Uh. Yeah. And he was almost given this kind of redemptive, like they kind of made him cool. Like Mr. Freeze is one of these gimmicky villains and the animated series had that amazing like Heart of Ice episode mm-hmm. where they gave him the backstory with Nora and... And you know, it was written by the show creator um, Paul Dini, and it, it, Bruce Tim did the art, and it was like a real thing. And they turned this dumb character, Mister Freeze, into an actual character.
3: All right, everyone, chill, chill, chill.
1: Um, actually, Tim, was it Tim? Uh, whatever, the Bruce long Tim. Halloween. Uh, Oh, yeah, Bruce Tim. You, yeah, you ever read the Long Halloween, Travis or? Kira? I have.
2: It's been a while, but yeah, I have read that. Been one. a while. <laughs>
1: the The gray words of stained.
2: Same kind of the same situation, and I keep meaning to go and actually get a physical copy of it, especially mm-hmm. before the Batman comes out, because I know uh, that's yeah, yeah. supposed to be heavily influenced
1: every time a Batman anything comes out after the Long Halloween came out they always say it's influenced by it because I mean, it's like just, it, it's, it's, it's well dude it's Batman 101 it's Batman's greatest hits it's like if I'm going to give a trade paperback I'm gonna use the word graphic novel a word I kind of hate um to somebody who's like I like Batman but I don't read the comics or I I want to read comics and I ask who do you like and they say Batman and they're a friend of mine I will like gift them the long Halloween because it's so dope but the calendar man is kind of like a Hannibal Lecter character in that and he's this, like, creepy guy who plays the Hannibal Lecter role where, you know, Batman goes to Arkham and he's, like, got to talk to Calendar Man, like, exactly like the Clarice Hannibal thing. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking creepy and legit and cool. And they did them in the Arkham games. And, um, yeah, it's cool that they use them. They they use uh, Double Down is the character apparently standing next to him who, like, has skin made of, like, voodoo cards and then like expels like voodoo cards out of his skin
3: or something and you think that like in that
2: scene because obviously that's like polka dots introduction right yeah and he called you know he basically says like what does he shoot polka dots like wait he really does which is a, a another funny part but like
3: yeah know, he he's says, polka like dot, you're man.
2: a fucking pussy did you think that like he was gonna obliterate him with polka dots right there and that was like a supposed to be like a, uh, a sandbag a
1: I mean him doing it kind of just shows how meek polka dot man is. And yo, we can say it cuz we're kind of there in the story like when Starro starts to fucking conquer this island and the Suicide Squad says, you know, we're going to be superheroes and have a heroic turn, another trope of, you know, John Ostrander Suicide Squad, um, you know, having that heroic turn and Viola Davis is knocked out, Calendar Man goes like full circle and okay. has his heroes moment and says, I'm a motherfucking superhero. And you're like rooting for calendar man. As you're soon as they went about- to that. <laughs> or, or no, polka man. I'm so yeah, sorry. As soon as I they went to that myself. like
2: far shot where he turns to Bloodsport and says it, I think you and everybody else is like, well, he's about to get fucking
0: killed. Right yeah. Yeah. That was the exact point where I said, where I, I mentally thought that, They've kind of reached the peak with this character, probably what they can do with it. But and then we're, we're immediately
2: dead. We are <laughs> yeah. skipping over like possibly the best scene in the movie. Where the invasion
1: of body snatchers moment oh, where like, the hive mind goes
2: no, where Milton understand. is killed. Oh, Score oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't realize that Milton has been there the entire time. Yes. <laughs> Polka Dot Man's upset that he's dead. Harley doesn't even know the fucking name. Like the acting and the dialogue in that whole scene. Because I remember we're watching it and we're like, he's still there? Like, what's yeah. the bus driver doing there?
1: I yeah. like Milton. Milton vaped. He had a big uh, mod. He was vaping. That was like, cool as someone who vapes.
2: <laughs> and it's just like, if, and they have the far shot where Polkadot Man gets us like, are you being serious right now? Like, you don't know. Yeah. Like, And then even like I, I, Travis brought up like, you know, how he had made it. How did he make it this far? I remember when the building's collapsing and it's Bloodsport, Harley and Polka Dot Man running. And I specifically said that. I'm like, well, he's made it through. I'm like, he's made it through pretty long. Like, Polka Dot Man, who'd have thought? Mm
1: -hmm. Did you like Bloodsport's? You ever see the Arista cats? The, um the disney cartoon where they like drop from like story to story and he's like kind of surfing the concrete as he's just kind of falling and i i, I thought that bit was was really cool and then obviously it ended with the payoff that was where, and
2: it was a good payoff too
1: yeah it was cena cena on on blood sport and they fire at each other at the same time and he has a smaller bullet that goes within the bullet but um, it was
2: switched, right? Because Cena said yeah,
1: he is smaller Yes. Yes. Exa- that's how he f- defeats him. What did you guys think of the biometric Rob Liefeld esque X four style guns of Bloodsport just kind of They were
0: he, very video game ish and I I, I, dug it. I oh, like his little uh, uh arm uh bow thing too <laughs>
1: Yeah, that slice people in half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking
0: <laughs> dope. Uh it's very silly, but I dug it
1: taking piece by piece off and building that mm-hmm. giant gun to fire at Starro was that, so funny because you thought it was over <laughs> like mm-hmm. like the first scene of Star Wars with the imperial fleet coming over and you're like wow this thing is big yeah, that yeah. thing is big that gun was big that gun never stopped you know <laughs> well,
0: it was gun, very the
1: way he pulls it pulls down and it starts
0: spinning a little bit like an you know, old And then finally it, it starts spinning or something
2: but like and this mm-hmm. movie gets it's a nitpick but this movie gets a pass because it's totally conscious of what it's doing like Yes. James Dunn mm-hmm. tried to use practical effects as much as possible. But like if anything's like heavily CGI, it's when blood is using his weapons, and it's like things are just a, it's almost like a Michael Bay Transformers movie where things are just kinda like or or Tony's nanotech in, in the Avengers. Yeah, sure. in The helmets like, so manifesting out of nowhere and like yeah, in a different movie you'd kinda be like, Well that's bullshit but like in this movie it's just like okie dokie
1: <laughs> This movie's not guilty of something that especially DCEU, the dumbest name for Cinematic Universe ever. Um, I think Sony would argue with that. What is it, Travis? Don't
0: you know it? uh, Sony's universe of Spider-Man characters or some such horse
1: shit. Sony's (laughs) cinematic universe of Marvel Spider-Man characters or whatever the fuck it's called. Venom Uh, 2 looks great, though. It's not good. We'll be talking for hours the third act of superhero movies and it might go back to like the previs thing and the mm-hmm. stock style that we were talking about with marvel movies so often you know it's a blue light going into the sky or it's a generic Got kind it. of set piece mm-hmm. you know yeah the sky beam thing like the ghostbusters thing um but this movie the end yes it starts to have a little bit more cgi we have a giant starfish kaiju monster but it, it does still feel rooted i think the cgi especially the rats looked really good i know fur is like a difficult thing and i know mm-hmm. this from watching um attack of the clones bonus features on how difficult it was to make dexter jetster in the diner because dexter jetster is like one of my favorite dumb star and, wars fur and
2: water c- or liquid yeah general. fur and water Birds. fur and water yeah, yeah. yeah. the uh and
1: well, starro look good you know mm-hmm. and and the and the the geiger-esque pod people on the faces of these starro victims were all practical those were all people walking around with starfish yeah. on their face and I, you I, really. what I, mean?
0: ahead, I didn't realize that uh yeah i assumed it was just cgi i thought it looked good but yeah i uh also much more nightmarish than i would have expected just from the concept and just comic book movies in general. And, um,
2: and scary a little bit, like, you know, the zombie yeah, yeah. sort of thing. Scary sure. than what they were doing in the first one with those, like, you know, bubbly heads.
0: Generic. But, uh, then, then I, yeah,
2: yeah. I i didn't think about that, like, you brought up, like, the facehugger from Aliens. That kind of, like, makes a little mm-hmm. bit more sense for the inspiration of Bloodsports Helmet.
1: Um, yeah, Bloodsports Helmet, you know, I didn't. I I had the thought, but I was like, eh, it just looks cool. It just like Bloodsport is a dumb kind of gimmicky, muscly image error kind of creation. And he was a, the gun thing was like a big dumb image error kind of like, look at how big this guy's guns are. He's just ripping pouches off and turning them into guns, <laughs> you know. And now he's got a an, an alien versus predator helmet on, and I was like, this mm-hmm. fucking rules. Yeah, <laughs> so hard right now.
2: <laughs> synthesized voice is probably mostly just because I just Elvis voice. But like, I yeah. liked kind of his helmeted synthesized voice. Uh, it all sounded like kind of creepy and cool. But like in terms of that, like uh, when the starfish are all taking over everybody, like was that not reminiscent of Bloodsport being Captain America or even in the first Avengers or in Thor Ragnarok where like he's calling the shots and like, you know. Yeah, yeah.
3: King
2: shark, the that, that's, that's nom nom. And it's the same thing as yeah. like Hulk smash or like, yeah. you know, Hulk stop smashing. Like when he jumps after, uh,
1: but, but that's the bit because the suicide squad are not the Avengers. They're not the justice league, but they're these C or D level heroes who, if they make it to the end of a story, sometimes they get to do, some sort of cool heroic turn and you know an audience member or a a comic book reader will be like hey maybe i like bloodshot or sport or whatever his name is and king shark you know he made it out i i can't wait till he pops up somewhere so you know it kind of comes full circle where it's like these are the people who should not be doing this and kind of delivers on the promise of what the first movie did not do which you know that movie was so heavily marketed as like the DC's version of the guardians of the galaxy, where it's Mm -hmm. like the last people you'd want to have do this job or stuck doing this job. You know what I mean? What a bunch of a-holes, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And by the end of it, you're like, no, they're fun, lovable a-holes, you know? And this movie really does deliver on that promise by, by the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Harley Quinn getting her, you Know, I finally know what to use this javelin for, and it's you're like, Oh, to poke Starro in the fucking eye. I get it. And then the really rat catchers, hmm? very cool looking visual, especially with you know, Rat Catcher 2 using her rats like, This isn't your because the, the Starro, um, body snatcher people, uh, the resistance is feudal Borg thing starts saying, Uh, this isn't our city, not your city, and she's My like, freedom. You're wrong, high yeah. High? yeah. yeah yeah this mm-hmm. isn't our city this isn't your city the city
2: is theirs unleash the rats
3: yeah, what's, neat and-
2: <laughs> what's neat about that though is because Bloodsport saved her life right because mm-hmm. uh, she was about to get like she was gonna hold it up and he and like during that scene her hand that has that device is buried under dirt uh so you oh. kind of like our james Gunn's trying to make you forget about that so when they're all mm-hmm. the fine she can kind of like take it out of the dirt like that's why that
1: was like yeah we just killed a main character like two seconds ago like anything can happen right now you know what i mean and she pulls it out and we get the flashback with taika as the first rat catcher and they're on some like fucking chapel in like Power, Portugal yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and he says like why rats, papa? You know, it's some funny fiber goes yeah, west. Yeah, thing. it's very <laughs>
0: um, weirdly delivered. Uh, and then they I start singing it, yeah. somewhere
1: out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It <laughs> uh, out. Speaking of yeah, the eye impalement, uh the CGI on the like the nerve endings and stuff, it looked like there may be in some practical effects when they're getting chewed through.
2: Like
1: it looked like rats. Yeah, being you know, thrown cool. in a puddle digging through jello.
2: And I noticed <laughs> at the second time, like you know, Harley's obviously like it's so you know wistful, and yes. the rats are swimming in, and just seeing how like you know determined they are is cool. But also, if you notice, one of the rats swimming in is is the rat with the jacket. So like Sebastian, yeah, Sebastian oh boy is in there too. So like that <laughs> that was pretty cool. Too. And, like yeah, and they're. They're not only like chewing on the nerves and they start climbing inside of it. It's beautiful, but also like almost terrifying.
1: <laughs> and the thing that Ratcatcher 1 and Tyke's character says to his little daughter when she asks why rats, he says, because even the loneliest of creatures have purpose. And here you are, Suicide Squad, the lowest of the low, doing the dirtiest of the dirty. You're, you know, saving the world. Like, take a moment. Even if it's a beautiful mess, it's still beautiful, and this movie is James Gunn's beautiful mess of a movie, and it's nice.
2: It managed to pull off being sent in this grindhouse drama movie, Yep, nailing that sentimental moment, because you not only have that rat catcher moment, you also have blood sports moment of his daughter watching it on TV, saying that's my father. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, it, that was a nice worked. moment too. It,
1: it came back really quick. The, the blood sports, um, child thing where she's like, that's my dad. That's my dad. Like, that's enough. That's
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
3: enough. It you know?
0: Yeah. It yeah. I think like on rewatchers that red is going to be one of those characters that I gradually like more and more where Cena and Ida and those characters kind of shine the first go around that one, I think is going to grow on me. Uh,
1: Yeah. Because Cena and, and, like, and Alba and, are, yeah. are, are, they're jobbers, you know what I mean? They're, they're <laughs> fucking pros, dude. <laughs> they're pros in these action movies, mm-hmm. you know? They've both been in a Fast and Furious movie. They know what yeah, they're Oh, they're I mean,
0: with. like, uh, <laughs> uh, you've seen them just, like, try to win up at each other. It makes you want, like, a buddy comedy and all of sure. a soldier, guy, something like that. But, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: Did they not, because you brought it up, did they not, like, didn't they just retcon John Cena as, uh, Vin diesel's brother even though he'd already uh clarified in like the first or second movie that like he's never had a brother or some shit
1: like that no 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 they did
2: not retcon it
1: he said he never had okay. a brother because his brother was the one who caused his father's death uh,
2: clearly talking to the wrong person about
1: this yes I have, my, uh, really I have my uh i
2: have my uh the <laughs> floodgates here i uh, <laughs> i'm wearing a
1: shirt that says uh tuna no crust
2: <laughs> three minutes earlier
1: yeah Stay tuned for my Fast and Furious spinoff podcast, Tuna No Crust, um, <laughs> where we talk about what happened to Dom Toretto's deli. He had a deli in the first movie, he just you left the deli. Yeah,
0: you know, What happened to the uh, Toxic Avenger footage or whatever it is they paid, it's credited. and It if, is. Yeah, I don't know if it was like audio or, or, or what they paid for it here It doesn't appear to be an actual film.
1: Maybe it's uh, some sort of scream. Maybe they use like the same sort of synthesizer to do the startle voice. Well,
0: them. I thought maybe like they found a way to get the, the infamous trauma car flip or something.
1: <laughs> like Toxie 4. Fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been in several <laughs> other movies. That would be... Katabuke
1: Man, NYPD, mm-hmm. right? Sergeant Katabuke Man. Mm-hmm. I got to I got to take a minute to shout out something kind of trauma related. Um, I had the pleasure of scoring a short film for our friend Keen Gross right, uh, called yeah. Anatomia, which just had its premiere at uh the Brooklyn Cinema Noir last week. Uh, one of the actresses in this film. She's been in a couple trauma movies. Uh, one of them is coming out soon. It's called um hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm. It stars Lloyd Kaufman himself. It will be premiering next month at the uh Brooklyn Cinema Noir. I met some cool Trauma dudes there who talked to me about synthesizers and told me they liked my music and it was really nice. And they signed my sister's uh, Toxic Avenger poster that she had that said, the only superhero from dot, 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 New Jersey. And we used to have it up in in my sister's room as a kid because I kind of grew up on VHS copies of fucking um, Toxic Avenger specifically and Trey Parker, Matt Stone's uh, Cannibal the Musical and just knowing what Trauma was. So it was kind of like this blissful full circle week for me and Shroma with this movie coming out and having, and having done that. So, um, yeah, I just got a plug. I scored a movie. I don't just scream about comic books with you guys.
2: <laughs> you know, and also, and that's all, like, I'm so proud of you for like actually doing a score for a movie. Mm-hmm. And like, the, I saw the pictures, uh, cause obviously I'm friends with Keen too on Facebook and I saw like pictures of the actual premiere and God, it's like seeing like, it's i almost feel like i'm seeing my son you know like yeah. my boys all grows up you know like
1: God, like so proud of keen mm-hmm. i was so fucking proud of keen that day it was so much fun and um him and i kind of taking control of a q a together and and talking shop and stuff was like I was so proud of this guy. Again, he's younger than us. We all met on these horror movie discussion groups and he was like the fourteen year old talking
3: to all these well, people. Like, you know,
2: about. Everybody initially, just because that's how it worked, gave the kid shit. And then like yeah. it didn't take too long to realize this fucking little sixteen year old twerp knows what the fuck he's talking about, probably more than a lot of us. Yeah. And uh like he he writes like a script the fucking week,
3: practically. Yeah. Like, he does he's,
2: just, he's crazy i can't believe you know I, and this is coming from someone who always loved writing screenplays for like a while and never was able to finish one i would always be like keen i'm starting this fucking screenplay and he you know i'd show him like 15 20 pages of it and he'd be like that's great and then i would never get finished you know like and he's putting them out like he's finishing these things every day. so
1: that's crazy. keen's the kind of guy who i sell i, I sell i I sold him the score, but I, um, I send him like random, like I'll start a screenplay or I'll send him just some crazy idea for a story I have. And he'll come back with an email like three days later with four or five pages of it written out. And I'm like this fucking guy, you know, like I'm so proud of him. And, um, whenever this does get like a digital release well um anatomia the the movie will obviously link it to however we're listening to it and post it in the mcu beyond infinity facebook group because we haven't started our fortress of solid dudes facebook group <laughs> we have to wait for another schneider aircut, air cut obviously for that to happen um but but it was a good time and um yeah, the glorious fucking mess of a movie made by a guy who came from upbringings like this, like from the trauma, super independent, super like puts mm-hmm. Grime House on a pedestal mm-hmm. and, and gives it a bottle of fucking champagne and caviar. You know what I mean? A guy coming from a studio that makes porn look like it's got a budget and a purpose Yeah, to make this real kind of nice movie that ends kind of on this nice moment the uh the score when when the Unleash the rats and the demise of starro mm-hmm. um has that like or that children's kind of choir mm-hmm. kind of quality to it um John Murphy who scored the first two guardians of the Galaxy movies too um he is kind of Famously known because he was a guitar player from Marilyn Manson, does like a lot of video games. I'm not like crazy about him. I kind of think he sounds like fart rock a lot, but he does work really well with James Gunn and, and it works, does like some kind of great purpose in this final scene with the childlike moment and the choir, blah, 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 But Starro's final words where he says, um, yeah. I was happy. Yeah. I was happy floating, staring at the stars. It's like, you did this to me, you bastards. You Seriously, know, like, humankind did this. Like you know, I was just floating
2: yeah, I was floating out there and that's why I'm just pissed off right now. That's why the, yeah. he's mine. And, uh, now I'm fucking dead.
1: Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was just sitting there minding my own business. Yeah. And you Americans, and yeah, I, like, reminding him.
2: you who the, yeah. Torture reminding you for, like, 40 or 50 years.
1: And it was revealed that Peter Capaldi had his way with them too.
2: And <laughs> yes. yes. was just shrugged his shoulders about it. And then tried to talk himself out of it after he was about to be ripped apart. Like, yeah. I finally see the best of my ways. I'm going to change.
1: The real villain here is the deceitful American government who, you know, even though flag wanted to release the evidence that the U S government had this to the press, um, shot. Bloodsport uses it. Sorry. Bloodsport. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, Deathstroke uses it as a bribery to, um, you know, get them all out of prison, basically, and free his daughter. And Amanda Waller says, like, I told you you would be a leader, DuPont. While well, she calls you're...
2: that, like, uh, thing to her head.
1: Mm-hmm. Because he's a British man playing an American soldier with a French name. Um <laughs>
2: what's cool about that the dialogue in that scene especially because i went back and watched the first suicide squad before watching this uh i'm
3: sorry like
2: i had to um so like (laughs) when he says like i know flag wanted to release us to the press but we can't like have everything this is like the best thing to do to get ourselves free and harley says flag was my friend and he says mine too and they talk about that and, and she says you're my friend too milton and, you know, they have that funny little exchange. Like, that's like basically Harley telling you that she's going to fuck you. Because, like, mm-hmm. in, the, in the first <laughs> Suicide Squad, uh, she, you know, they're talk, blood, blood now I'm doing it, Deadshot's talking to Harley Quinn about, like, <laughs> let's, let's get the fuck out of here, but we have these things in our head. And Harley's like, we have these things in our head. And he says, well, your friend will take care of that, right? meeting the Joker and she kind of like
1: nudges mm-hmm. him and gives him like a really flirtatious. one I was like you're my friend too like well she fucked um, I know, Deadshot I know. in the comics around that time and it was super fucking weird it was super fucking weird and forced and super weird and I think it started in like one of those Suicide Squad like animated movies and then like happened in the new 52 and, and Deadshot mm-hmm. and Harley Quinn were banging while Joker cut his face off <laughs> and that's, there was the yeah Joker's that's daughter. the new 52 <laughs>
2: nonsense
1: yeah. yeah yeah it was just like what matters what do you think matters okay we'll put that in you know but it all takes place within five years and then dr manhattan came and obviously saved uh, the dc comics universe yes, um sure. there's two kind of post-credit scenes mm-hmm. to this movie one of them revealing that the weasel is still alive to see another day
2: not post-credits <laughs> just sort of like right before the credits yeah 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 he just did a little
0: bit murder more children no.
2: that's exactly what i thought i was like because like yeah, personal, yeah. it's funny the way he emote like you know he's got those and like his eyes are yeah. pointing in different directions and he goes mm-hmm. and runs off the woods and travis that's exactly what i said it's like i'm gonna go kill about five children now
0: yeah 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 it's i mean 27 is just rookie numbers think, <laughs> for that yeah. guy
1: rising to a uh, full moon and howling much like a werewolf even though he's a, a mm. were weasel, you know mm-hmm. and then the the other post-credit scene is um the office workers are complaining about how waller put them on this shitty duty to to go babysit him basically as punishment for knocking him out and it's revealed the peacemaker has survived to see another day and uh, be featured with uh, robert patrick and fucking this HBO Max series that I'm really really excited about Um, yeah we uh, kind of broke down I think everything and everything (laughs) that I could think of off the top of my head Uh. what do you guys think about giving our final thoughts and reviews on this movie finally
0: one out of six McGuffins right
1: us how you really feel. Let's rate this. Okay, okay. So Yeah, you the, guys gotta
2: tell me you gotta fill me in on how this works well,
1: now. Well, we're kind of making this up on the spot. So our rating on the MCU Beyond Infinity, you can find us uh MCU Beyond Infinity Podcast at gmail.com. We have the MCU Beyond Infinity Facebook group. Um, our normal rating is one out of six infinity stones, you know, and it's kind of it we always joke, it's kind of a weird rating because it's out of six, but it the context is there. We're beyond infinity. Mm-hmm. What about? One out of six Martha boxes. What do you guys think? It makes no sense. I,
0: I'm fine
2: with it. Yes. yes. Okay. Three Martha uh, so, boxes, but yes, Martha yeah, boxes. Three one out of three
1: Martha boxes, but it should be. But that's that kind of squeezes it yeah, a little yeah. tight. So uh, Kira, uh, one out over. of six. Yes, one out of six Martha boxes. One being the worst. Five, six being the best. Uh, we accept half Martha boxes because we're all sons of Martha here on the uh, Fortress of Solid Dudes. <laughs>
2: here's what sucks because i'm such a simp, especially towards like everything that like i was recording for the mcu podcast because i was always giving them high you know i was liking every series episode more than mm-hmm. the last uh
1: they send me free tickets to the Black Widow premiere, so I'm going to keep telling well, them. That's not was,
2: and a lot of it was because we record shortly after seeing the episode. And, they also so. sent
1: me a box with a Loki toy. <laughs> oh,
2: you're so awesome, dude.
1: dude. Just emails, dude. Just
2: emails. <laughs> um. So out of six Martha boxes, seven, not for real. Like, I really, uh, yeah, I, I have the Iron Man helmet, one of those. For the listeners, John hold up held up the gauntlet Lego set, which was yeah, uh, cool. about sixty bucks, right? Something like that. Yeah, it was
1: about sixty bucks.
2: Yeah, I have the I'm Iron Man through, helmet.
1: I dropped the Iron Man after I built it and I halfway <laughs> through a Darth Vader.
2: Yeah, those are good, but like I feel like they're just they're just too quick and like Yeah, they're fun. They're good. I, I, I like yeah. more of like the display sets. Like I mean, that is a display set, but I like like the ships and stuff like that. I yeah. Have, I, have I give them four
1: out of five. Four out of five. Martha boxes. Yeah, the on, Lego.
3: Box.
2: Okay, you're gonna give that? I'm, no, I'm. I'm <laughs> I, I I I have to, even though I had the gripes, I have to give it like kind of like a uh, perfect score because like I remember just, and I've had a couple days to digest, so it's not just the excitement of seeing it. Like I I kind of like this movie more than like over 90% of MCU movies, right?
3: Like,
2: hey. It gets to go places that they'll never be able to go. Um That's true. You know, I mean, like, it, it, you know, we'll see what they do with Deadpool, but, like, I'm still not completely convinced that that will be more than a tangential connection since they're allowing it to remain rated R. And even, like, compared to, like, Logan, which is a rated R-conflict, two Deadpool movies, Um, this was just so much fun in different ways, but still let you manage to care and laugh with the characters and pulled off its sentimentality at the end. And like, I was, you know, just like how *Gun* pulled off by making me care about a talking tree or a, uh, sending a tree and a talking raccoon, I'm feeling these same feels for like a little rat, CGI rat in a jacket and like a a dumb baby shark, like with a, you know, a, a huge, dumb...
1: Baby-minded shark and uh, and a heroin adled rat-obsessed father. We forgot to mention that they mentioned. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: No, you're good. like DT's TT's character
1: is a fucking heroin addict in this movie, That's and right. they show it. It's for, crazy. Like right? that, that was
2: that seems like, again, yeah. And like the movie can do stuff like that where it's like, did that just was
1: that just what I thought I was? John, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I've been sick, dude.
2: Oh, God. It, I didn't think you were up there. It's just funny that you decided to just drink it out of John, the John's giving himself his night nice dose of NyQuil.
1: I don't have the little cup anymore. I, I, for honestly, the, the I, listeners at home, I don't have the little cup. I'm fucking 230 pounds. I'm tired.
2: Listen, I've been feeling listen, under
1: the listen, weather. God, I had I, a long week.
2: John, I take it the same. I take it the same exact fucking way. It's just he didn't give me a warning about it. I'm sorry, but uh, no, it just was funny. Uh, So yeah, like um, that's. I guess because I was just rambling and making it up as I go. Anyway, that's basically how I feel
1: about it. This is a top fucking five comic book movie of all time for me. And I wouldn't argue it. It it's like. I have this nostalgia for Batman Returns and the first Superman movie, but I might like this more than any Marvel movie. I don't, you know, I'm not as impressed with it uh, in terms of like being a franchise as I am with Marvel. Yeah, I am yeah, impressed yeah. that they, you know what I mean. I was, imp- I'm impressed that they were able to make this within a franchise and still acknowledge a franchise and make it actually feel yeah, at yeah. peace with the franchise. You know, and that's With Marvel, super the admirable. is
0: what's the most impressive.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And and this, you know, the Marvel movies that I like the most are made by James Gunn, but, but they're also the uh, oddly enough, but they're also uh, the ones that kind of feel separated from the Marvel universe more. Um, I'm like a huge fan of Iron Man three. I am a huge fan of, um, you know, Thor Ragnarok too. I'm a huge fan of the guardians movies and, and yeah, they feel like one with the franchise, but they, they exist outside of it kind of. And, And this again, kind of feels at peace with that. Gunn really got to have his kind of moment in the sun here. It, it it feels like a redemption arc for James Gunn, who had a rough couple of years um, with the scandals and, yeah, and yeah. being fired from his big, huge moneymaker. So for him to go across town, make like kind of like make a masterpiece, but also make his own movie on his own terms and then use that, as what seems like his bargaining chip to go back to the other company and say, Hey, what if I'm the guy who plays nice with both of you? Look, Mm -hmm. look what I can do. Look at me. I'm a fucking commodity in the Hollywood system, but I'm a goddamn weirdo and Mm -hmm. I make weird movies. Let me do it. I'll show you. It's a huge flex. And, and I'm going to give it, um, I'm going to give it a perfect six out of six Martha boxes. I'm a son of Martha. Now I I want to, to see the air cut. Um, I want. I want to see. I'm gonna. I'm gonna rewatch the Schneider cut after this. I don't know. I, I'm a DCU fanboy now. What can mm. I say? So, all
0: right. For me, I'll go ahead and just start. Let's score. It, it's a five out of six for me. It, it may grow with rewatches, and I will be rewatching this one. Uh, it's a good time. Uh, I was thinking early on in the movie, like Kira had said, how. I love the Marvel movies, but I'm I i do not know that they'll ever go anywhere near uh fucking this level of violence or just R rating. Even though they've said that Deadpool is going to be R rated, still we'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a hard R. Uh, a hard um, R. Yeah, yeah. I mean. To the point where I was only a little surprised that the the strip job was as tame as it was compared to. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, there's dicks in this movie.
0: Yeah, multiple. there's boobies. I mean, you
2: you can see uh, weasels if you if you look closely. Uh, yeah.
3: Oh. Well, I'll have to, to check that out specifically
2: in the that funny scene of you know King Shark about the Ratcatcher too mm-hmm. and and Peacemaker in his tidy whities and then even Bloodsport says Why are you in tidy whities The camera like. Shifts over and then goes down, and like, oh, yeah, yeah, you see, see seen the on, on Cena's package specifically. Oh, yeah, that, that whole scene that and
0: then the, the, the racism accusation was it cracked me up a bit.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was good,
0: yeah, stuff. that's
2: racist because he said Titan Voice.
1: <laughs> so, like, I used to love uh, Labyrinth when I was a kid, and I'm a big David Bowie fan. And. I've heard because my sister grew up on that movie too, that Labyrinth was kind of this sexual awakening for a lot of people, like kind of in this age group. And I think a lot of it has to do with David Bowie's dick in that movie, obviously, and being so prominently featured in those pants. I uh, and I've, heard, I could I've heard rumors that yeah, yeah. And I've heard rumors that you know it wasn't it was stuffed, like there was a sock or something. So, like, let's say Cena's Tidy Whitey scene was actually seen as Dick. Um, one out of six Martha boxes, one being the worst, six being <laughs> the best. You can take half boxes. We accept half Martha boxes. I'm going to give it a five out of five.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. What else could you give it? I mean, it's, I, I do love that he is willing to do shit. I don't think The Rock would. And nope, I don't think Batista nope. would either. Uh, so, I mean, uh, all your wrestlers.
2: Oh, uh, I am nearly positive was James Gunn James Gunn's approached him for a peacemaker.
0: Sure. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well he's Johnson has done something similar with sexual stuff in for the pharmacy, which I'll mention again. Please yeah. check it out. There's a, a scene in particular that I'm thinking of which is hilarious and not something I would have expected from him beforehand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Involves dicks. I mean, <laughs>
1: Uh, the um the anti rock image that cena has been portraying is something that i cannot you know understate how much i'm looking forward to and his promotion stuff in the peacemaker getup it has me like really giddy i had this idea this morning and i didn't do it and i'm mad because you're dressed up kira where i was gonna take tinfoil and just wrap it around my face and make like a peacemaker helmet and turn the cameras on and wear this tinfoil peacemaker uh, helmet should, and i'm
2: well i purposely kept it from you guys so that's.
1: Not i know <laughs> i was gonna keep this too i was um I was ah, just lazy pretty much and didn't feel like wrapping my, myself mm-hmm. in. Yeah, that telecoil. would have taken you a
2: whole five minutes. You know <laughs> how long this shit
1: took? <laughs> I know, I know. I haven't showered in days. so I got up. I, oh, yeah. I, I I fucking made coffee. I bought comics. I came home. I watched the Suicide Squad twice and then I got to yell about it with my friends on a microphone. Poor mm-hmm. fucking me. <laughs> I give my day 5.5 Martha boxes. The uh, the .5 because I wasn't feeling too good. God bless, yeah yeah made up for it because i I got to hang out all fucking day um yes we have concluded the first episode of the fortress of solid dudes let's talk about a little bit of mcu news really quickly while we're still kind of rolling sound good
0: yeah yeah
1: So, Travis, some of the big MCU stories this week.
0: Okay, uh, the announcement of the Marvel Animation Studios. Going to be getting more uh, proper uh, Marvel Animation after What If. Stoked for that. Uh, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to say about it.
1: Uh, It's officially in continuity What If 2, which is...
3: Something something that
1: we kind of, uh, no, there were that's
3: that's multiverse crap, then, right? Yes, Yes.
1: yeah, which is cool. Like, again, we we spoke about it during the Loki miniseries that we did, and I I was kind of joking about how before I think we recorded where I was saying, uh, you know, showing you guys the Deadpool black, white, and red thing, and I was mm-hmm. like, they're out of continuity stories that, you know, they'll be out of continuity unless you think one of them's cool, and then they'll become <laughs> in continuity. You know, that's what this uh, what-if can kind of spearhead, is like, what if we get a Cosmic Ghost Rider? Hey, I like Cosmic Ghost Rider a lot. Okay, make him part of the Marvel Universe. You know what I yeah, mean? Or, yeah. And, and
2: like, it, it, there were what-if comics.
3: Yeah. There and still are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: And it it let, it since it's animation, too, like, Obviously, everyone, you know, newer comic fans, younger comic fans would love to have seen, you know, the MCU adopt uh, Marvel Zombies. And it just never was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this show kind of gives the opportunity to, to whet that appetite. Yeah.
1: And Yay. if it's good, then make a. Thirty-minute Marvel zombie short a year down the road, or like mm-hmm. an hour-long Marvel zombie short, or Howard the Duck sticks, and people like the animation to something, or one of the tones of something, or whatever. Like, you know, it's it kind of opens a uh, Pandora's box of like, hey, yeah. let's throw some shit at the wall until it yeah, sticks, yeah. kind of stuff. Doing
0: and, doing fun one shots, kind of, and it also I suspect some of the uh Sure, it, yeah, and yeah,
2: Travis did. Chadwick passed before being able to record
0: for this? He is. He did get recording in here. He is one of the actors that is
2: returning for okay. it. Uh, Chris Hemsworth.
1: This will be his last portrayal as the Black Panther and T'Challa, yeah, yeah. too. Well,
2: technically, uh, Star Lord now, right? A
1: few
0: characters that's
1: well, yeah, actors whatever.
0: aren't. Brie Larson isn't. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch isn't.
1: Well, I heard Brie Larson's and... being recast secretly, and that's why they're calling it the Marvels. Of course, of
2: course. <laughs> They decided oh it was yeah, I no mean, good. Like, no good. The, like I'm glad they got like so so what I'm getting at is like the, the Robert Downey Jr. stand in like sounds mm-hmm. like he's trying too hard a little bit. Like it just,
0: Yeah, yeah, I think the Chris Evans stand in sounds a bit uh better than the because like, sometimes Downey it works one.
2: and sometimes it doesn't, and I feel like mm-hmm. the Robert Downey Jr. one doesn't work. Um yeah. it sounded like Chris Hemsworth is is actually doing it, is that right? I'm
1: not sure on that. Hopefully, uh, he, he voiced Throg in the Loki series. Yeah, by the yeah. way, Kira. I, don't know he, I saw
2: Throg. I missed it the first time. Travis had to yeah. explain it to me. But what do you mean voiced
1: it? He made the noises that Throg made. That was yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's not. <laughs> and there was apparently an action
1: scene that was cut. They filmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so- yeah, with Throg jumping around, beating up Loki or
3: something. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Other than the what, the animation studios, we got a uh, first look of Miss Marvel uh, and a potential power change for her. Uh, it looks, right. yeah, it looks kind of weird. Where it's like Green Lantern ish, but purple. I'm hoping it's just in addition to her normal stretchy stuff. Uh, it won't bother me then, but it, it should be a, a downer if that's just what she's going to be MCU wise. Uh,
1: yeah, there were like those rumors of the power change that you and I kind of like passed off so yeah,
0: dismissively. Yeah, yeah, I was very, very snooty and no, I dismissed him, like you said. Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, it seemed preposterous and now it seems to be
1: accurate. <laughs> but again, like Miss Marvel isn't really like known for her powers as much as she's known for her personality. So uh, I would say
0: it's equal.
1: I mean, do you think?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, as think... I
1: stare at a Camilla con toy <coughs> with her giant uh, her stretchy arms. Stretchy hands,
0: yes. Yeah. And
1: I change the hands for the regular hands and I keep her regular hands in a little uh, fanny pack next to my, uh, my computer with all my other little hands and stuff.
2: What? What implications do you think this will have with her power set or maybe the reason why they're
3: uh, yeah, augmenting
2: I, a little bit with like obviously Reed Richards mm-hmm. coming out late, late after her
0: well um, they both have stretchy powers but the way they use them in comics is different really like Mr. Fantastic will turn himself into a bowl or just do really wacky stuff she just tends to get big and lanky and she can shapeshift
1: and, and punch things far away. Yeah, you
0: make your hands big, and then yeah, yeah, it, and
1: it, slips under doors yeah, and okay.
0: stuff. Yeah, 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 they they just use them very differently. And she has a healing factor. I'm wondering what if, if what just... if she had
1: like some sort of uh construct power because she kind of uses her gooiness as like a construct every once in a while a la Green Lantern kind of making like a big fly swatter out of her a hammer out of his hands or Plastic Man does it a lot where he's like turns into a dinosaur out of his leg and his belly or something you know what I mean so like what if she like emits some sort of tesseract infinity stone based mm-hmm. construct and that's she's she's not stretching but like part of her is like coming out of her as, like, a extension of herself, but it's, it's just purple goo, basically. Oh, yeah,
0: I won't dig it as much as just her.
1: <laughs> it's the best case scenario. Yeah, yeah, I'm
0: thinking <laughs> that maybe this is going to be the equivalent of her Storm Ranger Cree tech suit, which is basically just, like, the symbiote story from Spider-Man uh, knockoff. Uh, and one of the things I like about this grocery thing is that she's a Marvel, uh, like a Captain Miss Marvel Pure character, or whatever, uh, in that family, but she doesn't have energy powers. So this kind of undoes that and makes her fall more in line with uh, Captain Marvel and Spectrum and all that. Uh,
1: yeah, and it kind of also further, you know, separates her from, you know, being inhuman in origin like she is in the comics.
0: Oh, they better give us a hot shot, <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: need the whole royal you family. You already need- got Travis.
0: No, we did not. I, no.
1: I uh, saw it in IMAX.
0: <laughs> oh, God, I'm... <laughs> Poor bastard. You were alone in that theater, no. I no.
1: was one of two people, and I brought the other person, and we uh, left out for Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: It was Grace, pretty embarrassing.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> not the best way to spend a Thursday, my friend. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a bummer.
0: No, yeah. Other than the Miss Marvel stuff, there's Namora casting, potentially, which I don't have anything to say about other than we're
1: getting Namor, so that's cool. Uh, yeah, of course, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah.
2: So that was only rumors part. about what's-his-face? He hadn't ever been officially cast?
0: Uh, it's still rumors at this point, but it seems to be harder, uh, more concrete stuff, like, gradually. Uh, like, they seem to be casting other Atlanteans, too, so, yeah. And then the other, like, Less solid stuff is the Werewolf by Night series, which yeah is a series of a, a characters I don't know much about, other than that Moon Knight debuted in his comic, and his name is Jack Russell, which is super fucking silly, but I love it. I love it. Yeah. So we might
1: assume I that I like- pro. Go ahead, Dan, <laughs> I was just going to say I'm pro hot werewolves after spending a couple of days watching the Twilight movie. So I was kind of uh, stoked that this casting came I out. You do uh, regret letting me speak now. I'm no, sorry. So,
2: so would this probably be a spinoff from Moon Knight? Like the character will probably premiere in Moon Knight. Maybe we'll just do I mean... spooky
1: stuff. Yeah, you yeah, know, know what I mean? I mean? We're like
2: getting, we're getting, we're we're getting so vampires so with Blade and we're obviously... Mm-hmm. Most likely going to get werewolves with Moon Knight, so I mean that's pretty cool that we're just embracing like classic supernatural monsters in the, in the Marvel universe.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that
1: would be a ton of fun. I'd be super stoked on it. We got a first look at Gore the God Butcher this week too, Travis. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean we. I don't know if they're going to CGI his face. Hopefully, just making more look like, more monstrous. Than, I'm than sure Bill. they're going to. Wasn't he just like sort of like just all white?
1: He looks think, like a white marble man. Well, I was thinking yeah. of, like
0: uh, Twilight from Star Wars, uh, like the oh. tentacles. Uh, yeah, the sexy, sexy tentacles. <laughs>
1: yeah i was about to say they always sexualize they these four yeah, yeah. fucking Twilights. Yeah,
3: yeah even
1: when they kill the jedi one in in that fucking stupid fucking movie mm-hmm. um God. in episode three and she's just like boobs you know what i mean like it's so weird it's so weird i have
2: to tell you like i I do like for whatever reason do forget that christian bale's like gonna be like the, the villain in or like christian bale in the mcu what do you guys think about that like he hasn't really, really done too much of late, and you know, yeah, he's doing. But it. he's
1: no—he's no stranger to fucking franchises. Yeah, like, he's been that. in Terminator. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Him
0: playing him and really meant to, makes sense, and right? then
2: to let him be yes. in the Watiti Thor movie. You know? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. It's such a—it's well, going to be a fun. A very funny movie more than likely uh,
2: yeah i would say yeah. that uh love and thunder is probably my most anticipated of the films coming out behind uh obviously spider-man just
0: yeah yeah spider-man is just the big mystery of what's going on there
2: do you think they that was that was just fan speculation or bullshit that they're not gonna it's the first time they'll ever not release the trailer before a movie, right?
0: oh now. no yeah that was that was just like a, a meme uh it it even says it in the meme that it's that's why he didn't say that. that yeah, yeah, there's
2: that. that's just not yeah, financially yeah. viable. <laughs> It'd be cool uh, and experimental as shit, but like, mm-hmm. it can't
1: happen. We get the Hawkeye release date, November 24th. is official, which yes. kind of means we might not get any Miss Marvel this year. Yeah, I'm thinking
0: um, we'll get that in January. And they pushed back one of the tie-in comics for Miss Marvel also. So yeah, that's...
3: Uh
1: yeah leaves us with some gaps um too so maybe we'll get to do sweet, some more fortress of solid yeah. dude yeah <laughs> oh, yes, no. sweet, sweet rest my wrist will be like i was so tired taking I notes always a told you to like take breaks and stuff
2: like that and like honestly uh-huh. my intention was not to come back until spider-man no way home and uh i just happened There's to no ask.
1: rest for the wicked my friend
2: well I, <laughs> I i know how hard you're supposed to work and i'm not being sarcastic about it um <laughs> yeah. But I had a whim. I was like, "Are you guys going to be doing like Suicide Squad? Because it looks like there's like this little break, and I was like, I mm-hmm. want to be on that. Like, don't. fuck yeah! No, yeah. I
1: mean, we we could we could talk about the ScarJo versus Disney shit. Like,
2: well, it would be another
1: for, hour. probably It would be another hour. We yeah. did get a listener voicemail. This listener voicemail is from an anonymous fan, but it is DC related content. Here, I got this for us. It's amazing. Um, if you do want to leave us a voicemail, go to the MCU Beyond Infinity Facebook group. I will start doing it again, and you know I'll give you a number you can call in. Please do so. You guys ready for this? Before we wrap up the first official episode of the Fortress of
3: Solid Dudes? Yeah, please. Hey, this is Mr. J calling from New York City, and I have a question for you. Now, I have a feeling they're probably going to make another movie or TV show featuring
1: the Joker. Who do you think they should cast as the Joker and why? Thank you. Again, thank you so much for getting that voicemail. It's awesome, especially knowing what it is. Uh, I I know. So you did get it for us. Uh, so who would you want to see play the
3: Joker?
2: Well, thank you, Mr. J. No. Um, so I'm thinking, like, I don't know if you guys but I know you guys. I'm just kind of, like, playing around. Uh, there's basically this new slasher icon, uh, Art the Clown. And uh, that's kind of, like, where my mind goes to this. So when I think who might play the joker and if they decide not to go with like a big name celebrity i have to think um art the clown himself mike ginelli have you guys ever seen all hallows eve uh no so so that was the original appearance of art the clown uh the more popular terrifier movie came out on netflix was that like in 2018-ish
1: might've been earlier than that, like 2016, because that, that, they're making a second one and mm-hmm. it, it was kind of like the runaway. Do we have a new horror icon? You know, do we have well, a new Freddy Krueger kind of? Exactly. I mean,
2: obviously they have Michael Myers coming back, but like, yeah, the, Netflix released it and it was very, it's very Grindhouse and like 70s. Like it, it's a perfect time to mention this movie and the movie we're discussing also because of the nature of the question. But uh, David Howard Thornton, takes on the role of art the clown and he has background uh experience in like miming so like he really utilizes that in playing art and he does really make this like you know he fills this void of like a, a new slasher icon like when we remember the last time we had a slasher icon um and because he's very uh, you know his, the appearance is black white he's terr- like no pun intended he's terrifying looking his teeth are all nasty messed uh, up doesn't speak at all in the role and like it's just uh, the way that Damien Leone films it, it's just like a, a love letter to old 70s, uh, you know, like uh maniac and things like that. So uh, and the second one is coming out and uh, it's been stuck in development hell because of uh, COVID, but it's finished. They're just looking into distribution. But um, I definitely would say David Howard Thornton. Um, and also, not only because of that, what I had already mentioned, he's a very devoted fan of the Joker, and even got to portray him in a web series, uh, Nightwing Annihilation. Is that what it's called? Escalation. Um, Escalation. I, I, I is that a
1: Bat in the Sun style joint or something like that?
2: I just know. I think it was just a social media web, or maybe a YouTube web series. Yeah, YouTube, I didn't get to watch YouTube, yeah. any. I didn't get to watch any episodes. But I I went back and watched uh, David Howard Thornton's clips and he kind of like personifies the Mark Hamill um, Joker from the animated series. It's almost like him with his own kind of like spin on it. So I'm going to pick, even though I don't necessarily know what this David Howard Thornton character sounds like, I have no idea what this guy (laughs) sounds like, but I'm going to pick David Howard Thornton.
1: That's a good pick. That's a good agree. pick. I like that you kind of compared it to Maniac because it feels like less Freddy Krueger, more William Lusting Maniac Two or Maniac or something like that. Then you know, it's those movies are a goddamn delight oh. and kind of goddamn cherish them as little weird movies in this super independent scene that just broke the fuck out and are genuinely well made <laughs> and so bonkers i had no idea that guy had a background in clowning either or mime so unless i am lying to me
2: i wish you could call guy. him yeah i never talked to this guy ever like i never have like had private conversations with him or anything so i like, wouldn't be able to tell you these things
1: <laughs> <laughs> travis who would you pick to play the clown prince of crime
2: i am terrible
0: at fan casting as we've talked about on the thing but my go-to is obviously Kill the Spynkin. Always, always. <laughs> I God damn
1: it, Travis! She,
0: she should bring the. That gravitas- was my pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was really good as the old man in *Suspiria*, so it, it's just an actual fit. No, I, I'm terrible. I'm just. I'll just echo yours. pick. That's, it. that's a good one. Uh,
1: I, I was thinking, like, kind of along the same lines as you, Travis, like, what if woke culture went mad and uh, <laughs> as mad as the clown prince of crime himself? And I was going to pick uh, Tilda Swinton to make people upset, mm-hmm. uh, Lakeith Stanfield to make people upset. Oh, yeah. People but that's a genuine very upset pick. about
2: that one. Uh... <laughs> well, <laughs> but, we talked about the Flashpoint Martha Wayne Joker, so, you know, mm-hmm. a different world.
1: Yeah. I I mean, we're all sons of Martha here, so um, (laughs) I I think Lake Stanfield would be a genuinely good pick. I would like to see him kind of just throw himself off the rails and do something really bonkers, and I want to see him flamboyant. He's a very flamboyant character in real life, and uh, his characters are, you know, I would like to see a flashy kind of version of the Joker played by someone like Leakey Stanfield, even like Jamie Foxx or something like that um walter goggins is another one who i've always kind of had in my head as doing something kind of more traditional Mm -hmm. if you're going to hire like a hollywood guy um and do something like that animated series you know this kind of proper but really clowny one i think walter goggins is kind of like um john cena or bruce campbell where they're uh cartoonishly good looking they look like they were drawn by a caricature artist in a park he's got this very strange chin mm-hmm. uh, uh timothy oliphant's another one who's like kind of just like wow this guy's crazy looking you know what i mean um yeah so that my picks are leaky stanfield Walter goggins or if you want to go real crazy maybe like audrey plaza would that be crazy I know, it's funny that was actually my
0: alternate pick there
2: that, uh, really that yes. would be a great yeah yeah flashpoint Martha Wayne joker right there. like yeah,
1: she's, yeah she's, I, I she, needs to, she needs to start being in more stuff again because yeah i love her so yeah. Much. yeah that would be a ton of fun and again i like her being flashy i like her being flamboyant and i like seeing kind of this mad woman or madman in Lake stanfield's place just throw themselves so mm-hmm. kind of devotedly into a role kind of you know so that would be fun and she, um, she
2: showed she could play straight too because she was the the mother in the chucky remake,
1: child's play you know, yeah so and and like she can play as straight as it gets because she's the most deadpan person of all know. time but it's
2: like well <laughs> though where it's almost to a fault where like when there are genuinely being serious you don't know if you're supposed to laugh or you know, like yeah you
1: know. <laughs> like is this a bit i don't get it you yeah. know what i mean yeah, yeah. um that kind of wraps up the first ever episode of our dc extended universe spin off the fortress of solid dudes a name that i've had in the back of my head since i was four years old i'm so happy we finally got to use it <laughs> It is super rad. Um, and again, to, to, to be able to shoot shit about fucking movies and everything with you, Kira, like a delight yeah. again, man. Uh,
2: another reason why, I mean, besides not being caught up uh, on the content, uh, why I would sort of put off listening to these shows when I have opportunity on my computer, I do get like very depressed and sad that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not there and uh it, it like legitimately it affects me so like well we we
1: keep, keep your spirit alive as much as possible man like we, sure. we, we keep I'm all sure. the in jokes and everything I'm as much sure. as we possibly and I, can and
2: i spoke to travis like just because of like the nature of how hectic like my schedule gets like i i feel bad that i kind of roped you guys into it and then just kind of pieced out but like i just feel like it's in better hands which is I feel like you're going to be able to accomplish a lot more without me, kind of like
1: yeah. Oh no, and, and 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 cool. you'll always be here as always, like literally always. And we will still be here because what if is coming back next week, so we finally get to tediously talk about Marvel content and become back to the uh, the Disney shills that we are. So mm-hmm. we'll start cashing those checks, those sweet mm-hmm. sweet checks again <laughs> so so very soon um what else am I supposed to say like and subscribe to whatever you're listening to this podcast on check us out at the mcu beyond infinity facebook page email us at the mcu beyond infinity podcast at gmail.com and stay tuned for the next episode which will be on what if next week yep until next time i am john i'm travis you're release the air cut